Flyover Politics Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. A new update on that House race tonight in North Carolina. It's getting a lot of national attention as a possible preview for 2020. Polls say it is neck and neck in a district that President Trump won by 12 points in 2016. Dean Reynolds reports from North Carolina's 9th CD. The big question in the special election here today is whether the Republicans can hold on to this traditionally Republican seat without cheating. Good to see you. Democrat Dan McCready is facing off against Republican Dan Bishop because the race last year was won by a Republican who was found to have benefited from absentee ballots intercepted and completed to swing the election to him. Appreciate it. McCready lost that race by 900 votes conceded and then rescinded his concession when the obvious voter fraud was uncovered. Do you think it can happen again? You would think it would never happen again, but we can't take anything for granted. The race is seen by some as the first of the 2020 election cycle, and Bishop says voter sentiments have definitely changed from a year ago. The most common reaction I got was people who were stunned, and some of them expressed fear about how far left the Democratic Party has uh, become. Both the president and vice president were here yesterday to stump for Bishop. Get your family, get your neighbors, and get out and vote. A Democrat has not won this district since John Kennedy was president, but Nora, late polling shows this race is close. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 12th of September, year of our Lord, 2019. Going a day early. Um, had enough information. And our lead-in there is not gloating. I... Once again, I'm not a Republican, but I had to play that CBS soundbite because, of course, the Republican won. But the media said there's no way he can win. There's no way. I mean, in the age of Trump, GOP is going to be burned to the ashes. And I thought that was a good way to start the show. So today we're going to do some 9-11, some general bad dem stuff and uh, media hit really quick. And then we'll go into news and social media nuggets. I had to do a post 9-11 because there was just, you know, um, I'll wait for that section because I literally, um, I just can't anymore. But Trump, of course, ran with this because if you're looking at the polls and, uh, you know, paying attention, it, it's we're back into 2016. There's no way he's going to win. Um, there's no way GOP is going to win. It, it's every election, midterm. General Democrats are the party. Anybody not voting for them are racist, white supremacist. And, you know, they're saying 10, 12, 13 points. Same thing they said with Hillary. Um, so he went off about how bullshit it is. But if you really look at it uh, from an article from the Daily Wire, after Republicans won both congressional seats in North Carolina special election Tuesday, Trump returned to criticizing the poll, pointing out the outcome as evidence that he's right about phony suppression poll. In a hypothetical poll done by one of the worst pollsters of them all, the Amazon Washington Post ABC, which predicted I would lose to Crooked Hillary by 15 points. How did that work out? Sleepy Joe, Pocahontas, and virtually all others would beat me in this poll, and they all had the Republicans in other polls losing by at least four points. 
remember, this is the election that the left said they stole it. Uh, it was vote, voter tamping or voter suppression. I mean, all this stuff. And as I've said many times on the show, I, I really do believe Trump's correct on this. Um, if anything, about suppression. I do believe the polls, the media coverage is all set up just to make people not vote because during the Hillary election, um, from jump, there was just no way anybody was going to beat Hillary. She's the most qualified candidate in the world. And they run those polls all the way down the line. They're always left-weighted, even though clearly in 2016 we must have had as many conservative-leaning people voting, or independents like me who are con-leaning, went out to vote, most polls are set up to 39% Democrat. That's who they poll. They're going off of the Obama era, and they stay with it, even though there are less and less Democrats that identify as Democrats, and actually more Republicans now. There's more people that identify as Republican as they did during the time Trump was elected in 2016. Um, although the trend generally is that there's more people that are like me or like somebody who's a left-leaning person. We, we really don't like the parties, so we don't claim a party, but we consider ourselves independents, even though we're, we are conservative or we're liberal, so... I want to start that up front. thought it was funny. Next thing was Melissa Milano actually met up with Cruz. Not playing any sound bites for this, but article was wanted to know that you really are human with the heart. That's what she said. Charmed actress, abortion activist, and hysterical Kavanaugh slander. Alyssa is probably proud that she is the sole savior of bipartisan civility because she made a gun control meeting happen between her and Ted Cruz. Too bad, though, that, that this remarkable civility owes its part to a deplorable hatred for the Second Amendment and the conservative politicians who defend it. Of course, it's shocking to see any lefty sit down with what they consider right-wing Darth Vader. Not that Milano could resist telling Cruz that he's seen as a character of a villain or that she was unsure he even had a heart. This meeting was a result of a Twitter spat between the two. Milano tweeted at lawmaker Matt Sheffron that the Bible say nothing about owning a gun. Cruz responded to her tweeting, It is, of course, not the right to a modern-day firearm that is God-given, but rather the right to liberty. Life, liberty, life and the right of liberty. Essentially, to, to that right is the right to defend your life and your family. They talked about having a meeting, which Milano told CNN's Chris Cuomo she didn't think was going to happen, and I didn't think it would happen that this quickly. Deadline reported that Cruz gave the actress an amicable, disarming greeting, claiming to be a fan of her work and who's the boss at Commando, while she handed with him handled him with a cutthroat accusation that his gun control stance has made you almost like this character or villain. Civil or not, Cruz is a bad guy. Alyssa hit him with even petty or backhanded insult, telling him that that is why this meeting was so important to me. I wanted to look at your eye and know that you really are a human with a heartbeat. This, of course, comes from a woman who celebrated having two abortions and praises them for bringing her life great joy. She's the one who was mocked at innocent Justice Brett Kavanaugh, blah, 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 blah. After the meeting, Milano remarked to CNN's Cuomo that I'm cautiously optimistic that he knows the issue and hopeful, I guess, that he's willing to do something about it, she, she added. I think he gets it as far as the magnitude of gun violence. Granted, it's nice that there's been a discussion and the fact that Alyssa says she's hopeful to be working with her villain is a positive step considering her usual hatred for conservatives. How arrogant do you have to be? 
No, let me rephrase that. How just stupid can progressives be? You literally believe your worldview is the only worldview. You're so sure of it, you vilify everybody who doesn't think like you. And you really believe they are villains. I mean, good God, man. But gun sales, because of all this craziness, have surged 15% driven by self-protection of Pelosi and Schumer demand for limits. In this statistic, the NCFF, Intergroup noted that some states saw huge spikes. Alabama's NSSF adjusted NICS for August 2019 was up 164.6% higher than August 2018. Likewise, Minnesota adjusted was up 68.9. And it accounted for 8,936 checks over the same period. Up 8,936. So... The best thing ever when I was in the, well, I didn't own them, but I was in charge of looking after all these stores and we had guns. Um, the best thing that can happen to a gun dealer is Democrats, man. They're, they're great salesmen. Gun right activists test Walmart requests not to open carry guns in the store. Gun right activists in Texas are testing Walmart's request not to open carry stores by doing just that. David Ahmad, the vice president of Open Carry Texas, told New York Times that the 38,000 member of his group have open have openly carried their guns inside Walmart since the retailer announced last week it respectfully requests not to do it. He said none of the members who have done so have been asked to leave. Huh. Good on them. You know, the fact of the matter is, it's a right. In Kentucky now, you just have to apply for it. And in Tennessee, effective January 2020, I too will fill out some paperwork and I'll have my gun carry concealed. Because the farther you push to the left, the right has a move too. As we said in the army, the enemy has a say. New Jersey will refuse to do business with banks, retailers that restrict, resist stricter gun control measures. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is expected to sign an executive order Tuesday that will leverage the state's purchasing power to coerce gun retailers, manufacturers, and financial institutions to comply with much more stringent gun control. Under the executive order, the state will purchase an estimated $70 million in firearms and related equipment annually, will refuse to do business with gun manufacturers and retailers that lack policies that deny guns to people with history of mental illness. The New York Times reported, retailers that wish to keep the state's business will be required to prevent, detect, and screen for transfer of firearms or straw purchasers. Murphy's order will also deny roughly $1 billion in financial transaction fees the state pays annually to banks that have a relationship with gun manufacturers and retailers that adhere to permissive policies. So basically, what is that saying? We're only going to work with lefties. As we'll see at the end of the podcast, we now have gay banks. So that's what they're going to work with. NRA labeled as terrorist organization while Planned Parenthood kills millions. There are about 5,000 articles, and they sum up the same thing. There's 14,000 gun-related injuries in the United States. Planned Parenthood kills 638,169. Every year, but, you know. 
when asked by a, a lawyer or a lawyer, uh, journalist Pelosi, that why didn't you go back in section and try to get gun control? She laid the deaths of McConnell's feet. It's his fault. People are dying. Yeah. But let's really look at the polls. Um, I did this up front before we get into the meat and potatoes because I, I thought this was a really, really good tweet screed by Dana Loesch. She went on um, how red flag laws are bad and how the media manipulates polling. ABC News political reporter Johnny Vervik tweeted the results of the poll, views on gun policy from the latest ABC Washington Post poll, 1,003 adults, plus or minus 3.5. Once again, 39% progressive. Requiring background checks, support 89, oppose 9. Banning assault weapons, support 56, oppose 41. Mandatory assault weapons buyback, 52 to 46 is what they said. 44 on this one. Views on gun policy for the latest ABC Washington Post poll. In a series of tweets... Lowe systematically broke down the ways the poll was designed in a manipulated manner in order to push the political left narrative on firearms. Loesch began by highlighting problems with the following question what was asked. Would you support or oppose a nationwide ban on high-capacity ammunition clips, meaning those containing more than 10 bullets? This is one question. First of all, the terminology is incorrect. This matters for a couple reasons. And who determined over 10 rounds means high capacity. And some, that isn't even a standard. It's below standard. This is, okay, that's what she said. Let me go down. The next question that Loesch took aim at, would you support or oppose a law requiring background checks on people buying guns at gun shows or online? Do you feel that way strongly or somewhat? It's like the people crafted the questions weren't familiar enough with current law to accurately conduct polling, Loesch continued. BGCs are standards, unless you're an antiquities, legal, or still regulated transfer, neither of which are part of income, and online buys must go through FFL. It's like the people crafting... Okay, I'm sorry, it repeats itself twice. And, and that's once again true. If I buy it online, it's got to go to a local dealer in FFL. When I bought a my first pistol, uh, I think it was a V-Series 9mm from Smith & Wesson. And I bought it, because a piece of shit didn't like it, so that's why we ended up getting the M&P. I went to Kentucky, paid the dude, he screened me there, but I didn't have to pay for the screening. The, tr- the gun was transferred to Tennessee Gun Country, and that's where I bought my gun. And I had to pay them $25 fee for the transfer. You just don't buy it online and it shows up in your house like Amazon. If that was the case, Amazon would be selling a shit ton of guns. Loesch then called out the following question. Would you support or oppose a law allowing the police to take guns away from people who have been found by a judge to be a danger to themselves or others? Okay, so this law already exists, but in combination with due process... Get a psych hold, PO, etc., to render illegible dangerous person. The new red flag proposal removes any and all due process. Which means you can just accuse somebody, which is what the left does all the time. And then you take their gun. That ain't right. The next question, how confident are you that item would reduce mass shootings in this country? Very confident, somewhat confident, not so confident, not confident at all. Apparently, 
recidivism patterns or reducing penalty for dismissing altogether charges for felony gun crimes isn't part of this, despite driving a homicide rate of felonious activity involving an illegal possessed firearm. Also not mentioned, acts with follow, following current law, which we covered last podcast. They just don't. Loesch then took on banning assault weapons, which did not define what an assault weapon is. When Democrats and news media talk about assault weapons, they're referring to semi-automatic firearms. The question asks, would you support or oppose a nationwide ban on the sale of assault weapons? The likelihood of that being pulled, think this means full auto firearms, is high. That's the error in using made-up terms. And she's right. One interesting result from the poll was that far more Americans thought improving mental health treatment would be a better way to prevent mass shooting, and that was 76%. But they didn't push that stat. Then on red flags, red flag laws are an inversion of the innocent until proven guilty. The standard of evidence is low, and while state laws vary, many different people, not just family, can report you. You don't have to be in the room, and advance notice is required for the petition to be granted, meaning you must wait to defend yourself. Most laws provide no penalty for abuse, and no state law allows for civil cause of action against false accusers. Time varies as, as how long until respondents can have their day in court. A study conducted in Indiana's law, which said 14-day wait, revealed that the average wait was nine months for a person to defend themselves. Dave Koppel, who has done excellent research on this, has noted that of all four states with the oldest gun confiscation law, Connecticut, Indiana, California, and Washington, no research has revealed any statistical reduction in crime. None. Furthermore, Koppel notes that nearly one-third of such orders are improperly issued against innocent people. We just had a case a couple months ago where NBC News made it out like some dude's cuckoo for fucking Cocoa Puffs because he owns 79 guns. Do you remember that? I guarantee liberals around him were trying to figure out how they could get his fucking guns. Because that's what they do. They don't like guns. They're not gun people. They don't understand gun culture. They just think you're all a bunch of goddamn white supremacists. Thank you, media and Democrats, who capitalize on that. By saying it. Five, no advance notice is given ahead of serving a red flag order. That worked out horribly for Maryland resident Gary Willis, who was shot and killed when answering his door early morning before the sun was up. This put Leo in a horrible position of enforcing these orders. Counsel is not provided. Blumafall draft does. It is a little soulless considering. I mean, you could be like Florida man Jonathan Carpenter, who is waging an expensive court battle to clear his name or claim his property because his name was too similar to a drug dealer. We aren't arresting people, we're arresting guns. State laws ignore the very reason the petition was granted in the first place. Danger resulting in violence or mental instability. No mental evaluation given, no charges for a crime. How will confiscated firearms be stored? Local police will be tasked to figuring out storage and bearing the cost of any liability or insurance at a time when some struggle budgets to afford body cams. This isn't just about the Second Amendment. It doesn't matter if you're a gun nut or even own guns. The deconstruction of due process calls into question your Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment. This isn't just about the Second Amendment. It doesn't matter. Okay, I'm sorry she repeated herself. Lastly, not really, but I'm sticking to ten. If there is enough evidence to strip you of your rights, there's enough evidence to charge you or commit you. There are numerous other options to start fixing this problem without sacrificing due process. 
Remember, this is the same thing they went with the no-fly stuff. These are the people that take the 14th Amendment to mean that I, not real life, I'm not going to say I, because I can't even say I in this conversation, that a person who wants to bone little kids, a map, minor attractive person, has that right under the 14th Amendment. Transgender, little kids, have that right under the 14th Amendment. Gay marriage, under the 14th Amendment, which was constructed to fix Democrat Jim Crow laws trying to suppress black people, not giving them the right to vote, having poll taxes. That's why we input the 14th Amendment. It wasn't about every goddamn group the left wants to fucking pander to. But you don't have due process with these red flag laws. And as a person who's a gun owner, that doesn't even bother me. What bothers me just to the nuts and bolts, soup and donuts of this conversation, I get in an argument with a liberal online. In my bio on Twitter, I say I'm an AR owner and so is my wife. They call, call the local police in Tennessee and say I'm unstable and I threaten to kill them. No proof needed, no fucking mental health evaluation. Sheriff's Department shows up, takes all my guns. Nine months later... They show I never did any of that. I'm not unstable. And I have to fight legally and spend more money to get my property back. We don't need red flag laws. We need HIPAA connected to NICS. That's all you need to do. HIPAA, NICS. Federally control it. Not progressive control it. Moonbat neighbor control it. Federally control it. If you have been admitted for psychological problems, if you have autism, if you have mental retardation, if you have Down syndrome, if you have domestic abuse, under the Brady, you're automatically supposed to lose that right. It is connected. Nix does a check, you are disavowed the gun. Now, unbe- you know, unbeknownst to all these fucking idiots, because they've never sold a gun, don't know which end of the fucking gun the bullet comes out, there are a lot of people denied guns by gun dealers. I can list off about 10 instances of our store in Chattanooga of people coming in and we denied them the gun. We said, we're not selling that gun to you. You have to go someplace else. A, they were unstable. B, they were talking about harming other people. Or C, we just had a gut feeling this person wasn't right in the kibasa. So dealers do that. But this is the most important thing to take from Dana Loesch. Then we're going to go into our, we're going to actually play the fire for effect today. Because I want to play it and then go into our, our meat and potatoes. I think she nails why this problem, why this never gets resolved. A, liberals don't want to educate themselves enough about guns. B, they just want to demean everybody with Milano. I just want to see if you have a heart. They don't know terminologies. They do it on purpose so they can finagle every semi-automatic rifle. They're even talking about shotguns now, for Christ's sake. We just talked about it last podcast. 
And finally, we have laws on the books. If we instantly started really putting teeth into felonious ownership or possession of a weapon, you would start fixing the problem. But we don't. Remember, Chicago says we're the reason why there's violence. We'll learn about that today. We're the reason that gangs are killing each other. White people. That's the way they play it. The black person who does something horrible, it is the environment and systemic racism that makes them do it, not the fact that they're fucking committing crimes. When a white person does it, oh, they're a motherfucker. They need to go to jail. Enforce the current laws. The 300 for liberals and the 20,000 for everybody else laws we have on the books connect HIPAA Basically, stop the fucking bullshit that you can't get into people's medical records. Have a reporting function that ties into NICS. This is fixed. No laws needed. No confiscation. No obstructing the rights of people who have done nothing fucking wrong. But instead, we'll keep dick dancing with banks in New Jersey and fucking laws everywhere. Jesus Christ, man. Get a grip. So... Fire for effect, going straight into 9-11, and I, I, I love this guy, Nicholas Harris Jr. from a 9-11 memorial. Some people did something, said a freshman congresswoman from Minnesota, to support and justify the creation of care. Today I am here to respond to you exactly who did what to whom. Madam, objectively speaking, we know who and what was done. There is no uncertainty about that. Why your confusion? On that day, 19 Islamic terrorist members of Al-Qaeda killed over 3,000 people and caused billions of dollars of economic damage. Is that clear? But as to whom? I was attacked. Your relatives and friends were attacked. Our constitutional freedoms were attacked. And our nation's founding on Judeo-Christian principles were attacked. That's what some people did. Got that now? We are here today, Congresswoman, to tell you and the squad just who did what to whom. Show respect in honoring them, please. American patriotism in your position demanded. For God and country, amen.
All right, before we go into that fantastic soundbite, I need to apologize for last podcast. I realized what happened, and then it was too late, because I'd already published it. But somehow, when I loaded the files to play on this, something went wrong. And I found out the reason why is I brought the files for the last podcast over. They were still on the thumb drives. When I brought it in the second time, it just duplicated. And so when I was pulling files, I played some files from the previous podcast. I double filed. I mean, I really apologize. That was a chewed up fucking podcast. There was some multiple plays of CNN's Climate Crazy. So um, I'm hoping on this podcast not to be a douche nozzle and make you listen to double sound bites of the same fucking shit. So this guy is Nicholas Harris Jr. I love him. He's the son of 9-11 victim. Today he appeared at New York City commemorating and unloaded on Ilian Omar. Madam, objectively speaking, we know who and what was done. There is no uncertainty about that. 19 Islamic terrorist members of Al-Qaeda killed over 3,000 people. Some people did something, said a freshman congressman from Minnesota. Today I'm here to respond to you exactly who did what to whom. Stop using the bones and ashes of our loved ones as props in your political theater. Their lives, sacrifice, and death are worth so much more. Let's not trivialize them. It hurts. A lot of people love that. Because that's what the left did. I'm going to do positive first, things I saw yesterday. But there was a lot of nothing's changed. I mean, let's be honest. Progressives were united for two fucking weeks. They then started blaming Bush. They then started saying, oh, look at him. He waited too long with those kids before he did anything. Look at him. He was freaked the fuck out. They then went into quagmire. As we started fighting the war, we're in a quagmire. We've gotten nowhere. Nothing's happening in Afghanistan. They're talking about Iraq. Why is he talking about Iraq? Full-fledged Van Jones truther. Oh, they blew it up. There's a puff of smoke coming out in the middle of the South Tower as it was falling. They blew it up. They blew it up World World Trade 7. They blew up 4. Cheney and Bush literally went up there in the middle of the night with fucking bundles of tons of fucking C4 and blew up the World Trade Center. We then went through Marta. Soldiers are murderers. We're not funding the wars. He lied. People died, even though we did the fucking uh, Iraqi Liberation Act. And we all unanimously voted because we all believed on the planet, including everybody protesting the wars, that Saddam had something. Bill Clinton told us that, so it's got to be right. Bill Clinton would never lie. He just argues the word is. And, And I sat and watched a lot of stuff. I think it's important to do that. I don't do it every year. Last year I was on the beach. And I purposely just did my usual thing. At 8.46, I pause and say a prayer. That's when the first tower was struck. At 9.03, I pause for a moment of silent silence. Because that's when the second tower. 9.37, the Pentagon. 9.59, 
the collapse, 1007 PA crash, and 1028 North collapse. And, and I remember, I just sit and pause and think about everything that changed. How many lives were forever altered? I thought about the call I got from my wife. I think of all that, the war, the deployment, what it, how it changed my kids. My son Zach was a fucking wahoo, outgoing. By the time it was all done, he was introverted. My daughter was a pain in the ass, because all daughters are, and when I came home, she was a wild weed who's just now calming down in her 30s. It altered everything. So I pause. And every year you see things you've never seen if you watch them. I mean, I saw videos I've never seen. I've seen the panic on people's faces and just think how horrible it would be to go look for your loved one. Knowing they're dead, you know they are, but you don't want to believe it. I mean, it's just, it is just soul-crushing. But invariably in all these specials, by the very end, by the very end, they're showing people who've done nothing for the war on terror, partying in New York City because Osama bin Laden died. And I was laying in bed last night. I just finished um, one of the long ones. It was like two hours. The days after is what it was called. And... I remarked to the wife that the very people that were doing that didn't want the war, didn't support the war, didn't sign up for the war, didn't support soldiers, didn't support Bush, thought Bush blew up the fucking tower himself. And because Obama was the president, they cheered. And every time I see the speech by Obama about forces did this and we got him, this guy pulled us out of the wars. This guy didn't want the wars. He never supported the wars. But then he's talking about how he he killed Osama bin Laden. And then he used all the fucking people for props and came to Fort Campbell and used 160th and Delta Boys and regular soldiers as props. As outlined by every book that's ever been written about it. That guy just wanted it for re-election. And then the media literally said it. There's no way he's going to lose to Mitt Romney because he killed, he killed Osama bin Laden. The left, day one, was doing, there's video of day two going to mosque and saying how horrible America is. There's B-roll of reporters filming people buying flags. This was all on the shows I watched over the last two days. Uh, Fucking flags and false patriotism. And as we go into our negative, that's how they treat it every year. All the horrible things we did. They tie it to everything from climate change to gun rights, as Shannon Watts did. They've never, ever gotten it they believed it was a made up enemy they believe Bush is the one that did it it wasn't a bunch of people they believe that it's Bush's fault because Saudi Arabia was part of it and financed it I mean not for a second 
Should you believe that the 9-11 Commission wasn't about pinning the tail on George W. Bush? That's what it was about. And I can do this rant now because we're past the date. They weren't going to find out what went wrong. They wanted to blame Bush. They saw it as a political cudgel. Because just like Trump, he didn't win that election. He stole that election. They even said he stole the 2004 election. And then these motherfuckers literally brought out Dan fucking Rather on the History Channel. And he begrudgingly said at that moment he showed good leadership when he gave the speech. They will hear hear us all. A guy who falsified documents to try to get him impeached. I mean, I'm sorry Google doesn't feed you the facts, progressives. I'm sorry you can't go in there and literally see how progressives acted on September 14th afterwards. But it made me question, who the fuck are you with? Us or them? And as stayed on the show at nauseum, it's why I never registered as a Democrat. Even though at that time of my life, I was more Democrat than Republican. I argued for people that you didn't need guns. Pistols. And that if you wanted to restrict guns, you don't let people pack their own ammo and you hammer ammo. Or make ammo only be able to be used at a range with a 10-round safety clip for your hat. I said stupid shit like that. I was young. I was raised in a progressive fucking world in Oregon. I was raised by a mother that was against guns. But they pushed me to be a conservative. Because they never once were on America's side. They saw September 11th as a cudgel. Now, Republicans went too far in some things. And they used it to get elected. I'm not saying they didn't. But at least they saw we had a real threat on our hand. We'd had it all through Clinton. And we kept handling it with the FBI and law enforcement. And that shit didn't get it done. And then we went scorched earth. Which the day after the attack... 90% of America agreed with, by the way. That was all on the shows. So, as we go through these, nothing's changed. I'm not doing a lot, just doing a little. Nothing's changed. Sophia A. Nelson. On the eve 9-10-01, over 2,997 people went to bed looking forward to the next day of early flights, work, protecting, serving, and living. None of them knew that morning of 9-11-01 would be their last day on earth. Take no day for granted, because no day is promised. Bill Branton. 
ABC 7 New York streamed a live look at Lower Manhattan during the newscast as thousands of people, including hero cops and firefighters, spent a final night with their loved one, and he showed it on his Twitter feed. It's actually very moving. Kelsey Bors. I was in elementary school on 9-11-01, but I'll never forget this day. Flight 93 crashed in Pennsylvania field about 30 miles from my house. I'll always view the passenger on that plane as true heroes. And she showed a picture her parents took of the smoke in Shanksville. They unfurled a flag to mark the 18th on the Pentagon. AH331, who tweeted the timeline, never forget, and when Ilian Omar says we should fear white men over terrorist group, never forget, this is what they do. This is what they do. And these very people that are super progressive, that voted for Clinton, who said Bush blew up this trade center, New York require passes a law requiring students to observe a moment of silence on 9-11, regardless of your Muslim or whatever. Things that hit me. Kids are now being taught about 9-11 as part of history. A Time article, and it's true. But then there's a bunch of these articles. U.S. feels divisive in 9-11 aftermath as memories of unity fails. In some years, the image and memories are faded as if from long, long ago. Other years, the horror feels fresh as when the burning towers collapse. Yet few anniversaries of 9-11 have been as fraught with trouble emotion as today's. From the vantage point of the 18th anniversary, it is unfortunately true that the worst day in American history forged the last great moment of national unity. The mourning and sense of common purpose that were so distinct then seem as if they happened in a different country in another century. Now our nation is not just polarized, it's fractured. I've never seen it like this, an elderly friend told me recently. I'm afraid of what's happening to our country. She's not alone. And while the 9-11 attack certainly didn't cause our bitter division, its ramifications are among the powerful forces still shaping our dangerous world. Trump's decision to call off peace talks to the Taliban after a suicide bomber killed it. And they went in and all that. And all the wounded and the killed and da-da-da-da-da. And it turned into, it's all Trump's fault. So this is an article supposed to be how we're divisive, and all they did was say, oh, it's Republicans' fault. Bernie Sanders. Today we remember the thousands of lives lost on September 11, 2001, and the bravery of first responders who put their lives at risk to save others. The attacks began an era of endless war from our country, and we must change course. We must envision a new form of American engagement, one in which we lead not in war-making, but in finding shared solutions to shared global challenges. U.S. power should be measured not by our ability to blow things up, but to bring people together around our common humanity. Stephen Miller, this tweet about America blowing things up is Bernie's threat about being attacked on 9-11. Other people, everyone who thinks Bernie is making a lot of sense with this tweet just remembered he posted this on 9-11. At almost the exact time the tower was hit. Shame on him. There's no global solution with Islamic supremacists. To believe this is painfully childish. But that's what they believe. They've always believed. Their core value is everything wrong in the world is our fault. We're a majority white country. We're fucking horrible. The New York Times. They updated 
their headline. Their original headline was this, to commemorate 18 years. 18 years have passed since airplanes took aim and brought down the World Trade Center. Today, families will once again gather and grieve at the site where more than 2,000 people died. How about almost 3,000? So they undercut the amount, and they say it's just the airplane. The airplane got up and said, Fuck America, Ali Akbar, and just flew into the fucking tower. Okay, they're changed. 18 years after nearly 3,000 people were lost. Families of those killed in the terror attack will gather at 9-11 Memorial. There will be a moment of silence at 846. Then the names of the dead, one by one, will be recited. We've deleted an earlier tweet to this story and have edited for clarity. The story has also been updated. T. Beckett Adams, a tweet tragically cut down as prime of its life. Gone, but not forgotten. And he's the one that reprinted it. From the article, once more families will gather at a ground zero where nearly 3,000 people died on that bright September morning. <clears throat> once again, once more, there'll be an outpouring of grief. Once more, there'll be the sound of the bell tolling and mourning and names being recited. 18 years have passed since airplanes took aim at the World Trade Center. New version. Once more families are gathering ground zero, blah, blah, blah. Once more they'll be pouring, the boring, recited. 18 years have passed since terrorists commandeered airplanes to take aim at the World Trade Center and bring them down. Comfortably smug sums the fuck up the left. Some planes did something. 18 fucking years. Almost 7,000 wounded soldiers. We've had fucking terrorist attack on every continent in the fucking world. And the left still doesn't get it. Somebody wrote, man, those towers really must have done something to upset those airplanes. And somehow we let airplanes still be legal. Let that sink in. On December 7th, 1941, airplanes took aim and seriously damaged United States Naval Base at Pearl Harbor. Yeah. That's how they would write it nowadays. They would say, it's our fault. We used too much petroleum, so Japan got fucked up. And they had to attack us because they needed gas. Ben Shapiro. It's pretty incredible that on the 18th anniversary of 9-11, the New York Times online op-ed page has precisely one editorial on the historic marker, and it's about the effects of Islamophobia on American Muslims post-9-11. They've been going with that since day one. Shannon Watts, I tweeted this and told her she's a piece of shit for hijacking this holiday with her bullshit. Her mob attacked me mercilessly yesterday. Called me names, called me baby killer, called me everything. Christina Taylor Green was born on September 11, 2001 and shot and killed at the Tucson shooting at Gabby Giffords event on January 8, 2011. Christina would be turning 18 today. She dug that up just to do it. Once again, intersectionality. David Edward, one of the legacies of 9-11 is that for at least one day a year, all psychopaths self-identify. Joshua Holland, one of the things I remember most about 9-11 was all of these conservatives who despised New York and D.C. and all the people living in those cities pretending they felt some deep personal 
loss. Somebody said, I don't even understand his take. Is he saying there were no conservatives in those buildings or that conservatives are incapable of grief or loss? Joshua Holland, good guy. David Frum, on the anniversary of 3,000 lost lives, a photo of himself. Because TDS is real, man. Trump did a picture of himself. White House archive, President Obama. True legacy of 9-11 will be a safer world, a stronger nation, and people more united. A picture of himself. Then a picture of his fucking self for every fucking memorial of all his fucking presidency, totaling eight. Person says, either it's okay or it's not. But if you didn't criticize Obama, how can you criticize Trump? Rick Tyler, is that a plane coming through a tower on the back of Melania's jacket? These plate fucking weird. 9-11 anniversary. Yeah. Charlotte Clymer, it's been 18 years, and what infuriates me is the way patriotic conservative white men who didn't have the courage to serve one goddamn day in uniform when the country needed them continue to exploit the massacre of 3,000 innocent people to justify their racism. Intersectionality! And listen, sweetheart, I don't know, uh, maybe 5% of my infantry company was progressive. Syrian girl. This was all over the internet. The FBI released photocopies of the photographs of the five dancing Israeli agents who were caught celebrating the burning of the Twin Towers. They destroyed the original photos where the towers can be seen in the background. That's a lie. But then there's this article. I'm not going to read it. 18 years after September 11th, the terror threat remains. It's still there. You know how I know that? Rocket attack on U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan, 9-11 anniversary. A rocket exploded near the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, early Wednesday, 18th anniversary of 9-11 attacks. Plane of smoke rose over central Kabul shortly after midnight. Nobody got hurt, but they attacked again. They attacked again. If you still are living in some other fucking plane... Because I say it all the time, I really don't know where progressives come from, man. I, I don't know what part of the planet you are. I don't even know if you're in the same universe. Because you lack intellectual honesty on a level I can't even understand. You have circular logic fucking arguments all the time. And this intersectionality thing where you think that the fucking rain is racist. And it only hits black people. I don't get it. But it... You haven't figured out we have a real enemy. Shame the fuck on you. Shame on you. Once again, they toss gay people off building. They ain't into your LGBT shit. Don't even try to be a tranny in Oman, folks. Women are nothing but handmaids. For reals. Not the shit you think that's going on in America. They can't drive. They have no rights. They have to cover their entire body. If somebody sees them, I can kill them as a, fa- as a husband. I can kill you if you see my wife. Honor killings. Gentle mutilation. It ain't about our fucking forces in Saudi Arabia. It ain't about conservatives. It ain't about 
anything. It's about everything we are as a country. And the fact that we're not religious. You can be Ted Cruz or you can be Alyssa Milano. If they get their hands on you, they're going to fucking kill you. They're going to chop your head off, lay it on your chest, and put that shit on YouTube. But you keep on thinking it's just our fault. Keep doing it. There's a reason we're still fighting for 18 years. They haven't gone away. Nor will they ever. And as you go to bed at night, understand without the brave cops, FBI, our law enforcement assets, it would still be happening in this country. We'd still be getting attacked. Under Obama, we did, by the way, numerous times. And the instant was it was gun violence, followed up with, oh, those guys are fucking cuckoo, man. The, the motherfucker went to Packy. He's from Madras. Do we remember? Shoe bombers and all that shit. So, that's our 9-11. Disgust me. Once again, liberals can't take one day off. They have to shit on everything. Because you know why? They're not happy people. Because they live in a country they hate. And I hate to say it, I'll pack your fucking bags. To our hateful Dems, we're going to start off with soundbite. MSNBC reported about cheering on an Israeli rocket attack by Hamas. And D.L. Hughley goes, hey, hey, uh, uh, fucking Camellia, hold my fucking Cavassier. I'm going to call Trump a retard, too. So also trending over the weekend, uh, Kamala Harris had to apologize. Well, she didn't have to, but she chose to. Uh, she was speaking, and I guess uh, someone asked her a question, uh, a very lengthy question, but basically talked about Trump in terms of uh, his actions being mentally retarded. Now, what he said was, somehow a racist bigot got into the White House, and then he says, if you're not my color, you need to go back to your own country. Uh, and he said, so I'm scared for this country. I'm scared for the people of color in this country. And he talked about how, you know, Donald Trump was, you know, his actions were mentally retarded and Harris laughed along and said well said well she took a lot of criticism so she came back and she apologized and said I really didn't hear what he said that's why that's what that's what it is about Kamala yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's what it is about her Mm-hmm. Like I saw a commercial. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's why she had that shining moment in the debates, and then yeah, after she's that, she's right always right. trying to fit. Yeah. She, like she wouldn't call him racist. Like she, it's, I saw her a commercial on her. Uh, did you see that commercial on her uh, Instagram? I don't have cable. No, it's on her Instagram. <laughs> no. and, and all she did was talking about her That's father right. used to take her to her grandfather used to take her to India. They would spend time in India. I'm like, ain't you? Yeah. Ain't, yeah. So. I, I, you're AKA. You went to Howard. You, you, but you're not you claiming have, the blackness. Uh, I, right. I, I didn't get it. Trying to disconnect. I didn't understand what that was. And then won't stand for something like this. Like if you feel that way, listen. I, I'm not saying who I'm going to vote for, but I like Elizabeth Warren. Yes. I like the fact that she says right. what she mm-hmm. means and she right. means what she says, right. mm-hmm. and she will call out Donald Trump on his racist yeah. bigotry all day long and not apologize about she it. Is, yeah. She is. She is really contorting a lot. Yeah. And it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. 
the reason that they call Donald Trump's actions retarded is because they are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it or not. I know people don't like that word. Right. But we have to use it. We used to. Li- this is the funny thing. We used to live on, on the one-on-one-on-one. There was a center called the Center for Retarded uh, Development. It's happened on the building. Well, that's the actual distinction. That's right. Psycho- that's what they call it. Well, it's and an actual medical so term. Offended. Yeah. Like right. one time... Somebody told me, got mad, like they, to, to equate that word with the N-word. We have more breaking news, this time out of Israel, where the IDF is now confirming rockets were fired from the Gaza Strip. You can see the video there of the election rally, and in a moment you're going to see, there they are, the bodyguards that always surround Benjamin Netanyahu, ushering him off stage. You know, symbolically, to see an Israeli leader ushered off a stage like this, well, they will be cheering in many parts of the Gaza Strip, and the IDF will Presumably and politically, Benjamin Netanyahu may want to hit back as a result of this very high-profile, very public uh, success, you could call it, by whichever militant group it was that fired uh, these rockets. You know, it seems petty when I play sound bites like this, but for those that are progressives or have forgotten somehow because it's not ever brought out and shown front and center. When Barack Obama was elected, there was a conservative radio host that called a girl a slut, and that was plastered on every candidate running for anything on the GOP and ran at nauseum on network news. Then in 2012, a guy said... The 47% electorate just wants to get free 99. That's why they're going to vote for Obama. And that was plastered and played over 2,000 times in our media. We just played that all the time. Now, when Hillary said deplorable, yeah, you didn't hear that shit. I mean, it was like, oh, uh, she shouldn't have said that, but yeah, they are deplorable. <laughs> That's how our media carried it. It wasn't that big a deal. So I play these during an election cycle. Because D.L. Hughley is a progressive talk show host. Camelia Harris is running for president. And they're fucking ableist calling people retards. How is that okay? How? And, of course, I'm playing the frickin' MSNBC soundbite because that's the left. But we don't cover it with the same thing. This is the inherent racism, or inherent bias, not racism. God, I'm sounding like a progressive. The inherent bias in our media. You don't put the R next, or the D next to the name of a person that goes to jail. You don't put a D next to people that fuck up. You don't take every progressive on every network when they say horrible things. Nobody gets blamed for it. You don't take it to the, you know... Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, uh, freaking Nicole Wallace said this. What do you think about that? Yet we have that all the time. I mean, when, just to go off the 9 11 segment, when Omar literally said some people did something, that was such a fucking blip. But when some rando dude from Nebraska or the middle of the country, I can't even remember where he was from, 
said the best birth control is to put an aspirin between your knees as a joke. That shit still lives. That still lives, folks. That hasn't gone anywhere. And then you have this one. Now remember, whenever Republicans said anything about Barack Obama, it was a bad deal. So here's Hickelooper, a Democrat, saying a black pastor is so articulate, articulate, (laughs) that's pretty funny. I'm not very articulate, am I? Not very articulate. Last week, Representative Joe Cunningham posted an Instagram photo, his wife, a rant about her health care costs, especially whining about her marriage counseling bill not covered under her Obamacare gold plan. The wife and mother announced that she was going to reach out to my congressman to get that fixed because it should be covered by taxpayers. Yeah. Do you think of Hookalooper was a Republican and Joe Cunningham had an R behind his name? CNN would play this? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they would. We're full of friends. Mm-hmm. Will you come back later to film them? Um, they just want to do a little testimony. Oh, that's so cute. That's huge. Especially these, these guys are so Okay, so, like I was saying, I'm going to have a little bit of a rant here on social media because I think this is important. I've just been going over my this is a not a bill bill from Blue Cross Blue Shield and realizing that, once again, all of my mental health therapy sessions are denied in addition to all of our marriage counseling sessions. And it's just mind-blowing to me that these basic well-known needs that mental health is health care are still being denied, that we're still fighting for these absolutely basic things. It's, it's unbelievable to me. So I'm reaching out to my congressman, yes, also my husband, but saying like, hey, what can we do about this? Like, let's go to the House floor, let's write a bill, let's, what, I don't know what you do, but let's do it, because this is ridiculous. This affects us, our family, and it affects everyone else who's seeking mental health and needs support doing so. I'm just flabbergasted. Boone, thoughts? Democrats. They don't have to own that. Nor do they have to own this. I'm going to, because Cuomo had this piece of shit on. Valerie Plame, if you remember, the CIA agent who actually outed herself, but that was another way they're going to get Bush impeached. Yeah, she rolled out a video, campaign video. She gets to run, you know, the left loves her. Because her and her husband went after Bush with his lies, people died, and the Nigerian yellow cake and all that stuff. They were just heroes on the left. Plame launched a congressional bid for New Mexico's 3rd Congressional District on Monday and immediately came under fire over multiple false claims she made in her announcement video. You name a hot spot, I lived it. As image, Im- images of Iraq, Syria, North Korea, and Iran flashed on the screen, Fox News reported adding that Plame, a former CIA operative, was never stationed in Iran 
or North Korea. The Washington Post came to the same conclusion in fact-check article, writing, the ad strongly suggests that a plane was undercover operative in places such as Iran and North Korea when that was not the case. Dick Cheney, chief of staff, took revenge against my husband and leaked my identity, blamed Senator Video. His name, Scooter Libby. Guess who pardoned him last year? The Washington Post again was quick to debunk this claim from Plame, writing Plame's name and CIA role were first disclosed in Robert Novak's column. Novak's original source was Armitage and his confirming source were Rove and a CIA spokesman. Novak column led to the firestorm that launched a federal investigation, but no evidence showed that Libby disclosed <laughs> Plame's role to Novak. Yashir Ali highlighted Plame's video in a tweet writing Valerie Plame launch spot for a campaign. One, suggests she was stationed in Iran and DPRK. She wasn't. References coming from Ukrainian Jewish immigrants to deal with accusation of anti-Semitism. Uses CIA seal. Makes her campaign about scores to settle. Plame was faced accusation of anti-Semitism after tweeting American Jews are driving America wars. Joined CNN Chris Cuomo on Monday night to discuss the accusation. You have retweeted or shown interest in articles that are put out by a website that is basically a platform for extremists, thought, and anti-Semitism. What are you going, what are you doing having anything to do with a site like that if you want to represent New Mexico as a Democrat? Cuomo asked in a segment flagged by the Free Beacon, why did you do it? Because I didn't read the article all the way through, she says. Alec Griswold, the headline plain tweet was American Jews are driving American wars, and she proceeded to defend the article after criticism. Plame said it was one of those stories you don't read all the way through. Her exact words were the people should read the entire article. He put out an article on it <clears throat> where he said, The link story from the media site Un's Review asked, Shouldn't American Jews rescue themselves when dealing with the Middle East? The author argued Jews will soon cause a war with Iran as well. What makes the war engine run is provided by American Jews who have taken upon themselves the onerous task of starting a war with a country that does not conceivably threaten the United States. The issue that nearly all the Iranian haters are Jewish has somehow fallen out of sight as if it does not matter. But it should matter. For those American Jews who lack any shred of integrity, the media should be required to label them at the bottom of the television screen whenever they pop up, e.g., or example, excuse me, Bill Crystal is Jewish and an outspoken supporter of Israel. Following backlash, Plame defended herself in a series of tweets that pointed out she had a Jewish background. First of all, calm down. Retweets don't imply endorsement. Yes, very provocative, but thoughtful. Many neocon hawks are Jewish. Just FYI, I'm a Jewish descent. I'm not in favor of war with Iran or getting out of Iran's nuclear treaty. They are simply too many who are so ready to go to war. Haven't we had enough for a while? Read the article and try just for a moment. Put aside your biases and think clearly. Yeah, I've already thought. You're a piece of shit. All right. Now, here's the other stick that you're getting hit with right now is that you have retweeted or shown interest in articles that are put out by a website that is basically a platform for extremist thought and anti-Semitism. What are you doing having anything Mm -hmm. to do with a site like that if you want to represent New Mexico as a Democrat? When I retweeted that, uh, I apologized profusely and multiple times. It's not who I am, and it's not what I believe. 
I told my twins when they're growing up many, many times, when you apologize, you have to say it with sincerity so that it's meaningful. And it was sincere. Uh, so people can only judge me from my words and actions going forward. Why did you do it? Uh, because I didn't read the article all the way through, and I was simply focused on getting out of the, uh, with the mistake, I thought, of getting out of the Iran nuclear deal, which I thought was a really bad idea, and that's proven to be true. If it were one, it'd be one and done, but you've shown other interest in that website before. Why would you have anything to do with a website that is operated or at least provided by a guy who's a Holocaust denier? Um, because social media and Twitter is, uh, can be a pretty hateful environment, and it doesn't exactly lend itself to thoughtful discussion or reading all the way through. I made a terrible mistake, and I hurt people whose beliefs I respect, and I apologized for it. I get it. I'm not beating you over the head with that one instance. I'm saying there was more than one. Is there something about that site uh, that you like or that you think is relevant for people? Um, sometimes art, all sorts of things come across, as you know, uh, in social media that uh, you don't read all the way through. And, you know, and that's why I'm not on Twitter anymore. So let me ask. I was an undercover CIA operative. My assignment was preventing rogue states and terrorists from getting nuclear weapons. You name a hotspot, I lived it. Then, Dick Cheney's chief of staff took revenge against my husband and leaked my identity. His name? Scooter Libby. Guess who pardoned him last year? I come from Ukrainian Jewish immigrants. Dad was in the Air Force. My brother almost died in Vietnam. My service was cut short when my own government betrayed me. We left Washington to raise our kids in New Mexico, one of the best places on Earth. Now I'm running for Congress because we're going backwards on national security, health care, and women's rights. We need to turn our country around. And yes, the CIA really does teach us how to drive like this. You've probably heard my name. And Mr. President, I've got a few scores to settle. You know what pisses me off the most about that is literally the way Cuomo said, as a Democrat. Because remember, he's one of those people pushing the lie that Republicans are white supremacists. It's Republicans that are anti-Semite. It's Republicans. When all proof shows it's the opposite. It's Ilian Omar. It's... Talib, it's all these fucktards who want to do BDS. Who want to go to Israel just to go to Hamas function for fuck's sake. Who want to go to care events and are part of care events where they just bash Israel, white people, America, and say some people did fucking something. What a piece of fucking shit. New Mexico 
if you hire her, you go fuck yourself. That's all I got to say. Hacked Wikipedia page smears PragerU with vulgar description. Big tech companies like Facebook and YouTube would like users to believe Wikipedia is the ultimate objective source of information. But a recent hack proves the contention false. On, on conservative organization PragerU, the logo was changed to a more vulgar claim. Under the PragerU was a phrase, short penises, big ineas. The original slogan was showed videos, big idea. Google uses Wikipedia to fill information a knowledge panel when someone searches for a term, and they push it, totally. They hacked it, fucked it all up. It's a lefty group. Media yawn. CNN delights in tabloidish idiocy, a Trump kid story with sleazy anonymous sources. Don't worry, folks. Some of you are going, you know, he did a thing on 9-11 and he didn't talk about CNN. Oh, yeah, this is America's coming. Imagine CNN running with a story based on an anonymous source that Barack Obama thought his children were stupid, or the Clintons thought Chelsea was a moron. Unthinkable, naturally. But with the Trump family, anything goes. On CNN tonight, on Tuesday, Don Lemon brought on McKay Coppins of The Atlantic to tout his tabloidish story about how Donald Trump Jr. and Ivanka Trump are furiously fighting each other to be president. We should suggest two words about these hot place intrigue stories about dynastic dreams. Jeb Bush. CNN, which imagines itself as a global force for good journalism, Pay zero attention to the sourcing of this fascinating soup. They just drank it in as Coppins ladled it out. Don Jr. emerged as this kind of shouty, testosterone-soaked, you know, mini-Trump, while Ivanka stayed in the White House and it kind of very quickly figured out that she was out of her depth. And then it goes on and on and on and on. I'm not reading anymore of it. Jesus Christ. Andrew Serbabian, why did the Atlantic refuse to print my on-the-record statement on behalf of Don Jr. response to the McKay Coppins false and thinly sourced piece? I've counted 25 instances of single sourcing or worse throughout McKay's piece. But let's be honest. That's the whole Russiagate in a nutshell. Single sourced, disgruntled, ex-Obama people lying, we've spent $30 million. Nothing there. PolitiFact reigns on Trump's latest rally with mangled fact checks. Independent fact checkers like Glenn Kessler at Washington Post love counting up when Donald Trump repeats something he flagged as false. So what happens when fact checkers keep repeating their own canards? See PolitiFact during President Trump's rally in North Carolina on Monday night, which, by the way, worked because the guys won. You didn't hear that in the media. Well, you did under Obama. Oh, Obama's coming in. They're going to win. Wherever Obama goes, he wins. Yeah. They can't stand when Trump mocks the Democrats as radical on abortion. Like in this passage, Trump, virtually every top Democrat, also now supports late-term abortion. Ripping babies straight from the mother's womb right up to the moment of birth. And if you look at Virginia and Governor Virginia, he was even talking about, essentially, you would say, an execution. He was talking about a baby is born, the doctor will talk, blah, 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 blah. This is radical Democrat idea. That's why I've asked Governor to prohibit, la, da, 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 da. So PolitiFact had its own cockamamie ruling for February on Twitter. Trump says VA Governor Ralph Norton talked about after the baby was born, the doctor will talk to the mother and make a decision about what the baby lives. We rated this as false. And we covered on the show because he didn't literally say, we'll decide if it lives. But that's what he meant for fuck's sake. 
I mean, for God's sake, he said, well, we'll discuss what's going to happen. What's going to happen is that the baby's going to live. Trump is accurately summarizing what Northrop Ockley said back then, that there was right to choose after birth. It's done in cases where there are severe deformities. There may be a fetus and non-viable. So in this particular ex- example of a mother's in labor, I could tell you exactly what happened. The infant would be delivered, blah, 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 and we already went over it. Then they also flagged this verdict as distorted. They obsessed over the word free here. NBA moderators asked if they favored including illegal immigrants in their government health care program, and all the Democrats raised their hand. Trump put out an ad stating these Democrats support giving illegal immigrants free health care. PolitiFact said it's false because they didn't say free health care when they raised their hand. I just got to cover that. Because some of you go out there and you use WAPO with Kessler, you use PolitiFact, Truth.org, Snopes. Every one of those are progressive. Mostly true is what Republicans get. Democrats, mostly false. LifeSite News brings what the media wouldn't bring. STEM Express CEO admits selling beating baby hearts intact baby heads in Dalatan hearing. The CEO of STEM Express essentially admitted in court Thursday that her biotech company supplies beating fetal hearts and intact fetal heads to medical researchers. She also admitted at the preliminary hearing of David Dale Andin and Sandra Merritt of the Center for Medical Progress that the baby's head could be procured attached to the baby's body or could be torn away. On Thursday, the court saw video clips of STEM Express CEO identified as Doe 12 meeting in May 2, 2015 with delayed in a merit her posing as owners of a biotech company. Doe 12 says in the video, there's a great demand for raw fetal tissue and that the insanely fragile neural or brain tissue is best shipped in a whole calvarium or head, whereupon DeLayden says, just make sure the eyes are closed. Yeah, laughs Doe, tell the lab techs it's coming. It's almost like they don't want to know what it is. Robbie Starbucks, we were called conspiracy theorists for years. We told people this was happening. Leftist says there's no way that this was true. Well, now the company admits it. Retweet and send to a Democrat so they can't say they didn't know. But, 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 but Planned Parent does no wrong. That wasn't even carried on the news. That hearing is not even being covered on the fucking news. Other stuff. Something that would indicate the child was born alive and had their organs cut out of them or that the child was the victim of an illegal partial birth abortion, he told LifeSite News. Both of these are gruesome and violent acts. CMPs delayed in a merit are charged with 15 felony counts of illegal taping of a confidential information in connection with the undercover video they released in 2015 after a three-year covert investigation into buying and selling of baby parts, which is a felony. The covertly recorded <coughs> video exposed STEM Express as a go-to in California for Planned Parenthood's trafficking in baby body parts, and the biotech company cut its ties with Planned Parenthood shortly after these were released, even though they were lies. We reported on the show. They cut ties because Planned Parenthood was lying. And the media was lying for them. CMP's legal team is 
arguing in the preliminary hearing that the law does not consider conversations that could be overheard confidential and that covert recording is allowed when done to investigate violent crimes. On Thursday, the court saw video clips of the STEM Express CEO identified as Doe 12 meeting in May 2015 with Delayden, and we're talk- we already talked about it. Now, why did I cover that and read that? You're like, okay, well, you just repeated yourself, Tony. No, I didn't. I'm making the point. How am I making the point? 47 fucking percent. That was in California. That was illegally taped. Nobody went to fucking trial. Nobody was sued. Conservatives didn't take him to court. It was illegal. By a Democratic bartender in the fucking room. It was then played 2,000 fucking times by the media. But this is how we work our laws in our country. Democrats play shit like this with the media saying, oh, they're edited videos. Falsely edited, deceptively edited. And now they admit in court they're doing exactly what the fucking video said and not a media covered it. Not a media. This is why felonious people with guns don't go to jail. Democrats apply it not on what the law says. Immigration? No! You from Mexico, you stand here. We want you to vote for you. If you're a white cracker from Norway, pack your shit. Everything is on intersectionality scorecard. And this is just another goddamn law. They're fucking applying on this because it made them look bad. And if we had a real fucking media, why in the name of Zeus's ass crack isn't fucking Tapper, fucking Snuffburger, fucking Chuck Todd saying, well, if this shit isn't true, why did Planned Parenthood break ties with these people? That was never said. Oh, fuck no. We're not saying that. Then to beleaguer the point, Illinois Hospital created comfort room for aborted babies to die in. But it doesn't happen. It's false, PolitiFact says. This is all bullshit. This doesn't happen. We don't do this. There's nobody aborting babies and letting them die. Infants remain alive for hours after abortion procedure. An eyewitness nurse revealed how a hospital in Illinois has a comfort room in which aborted babies who survive for hours outside the womb are left to die. Jill Stanick told a hearing on the Born Alive Act in Washington, D.C. that doctors at Christ Hospital in Oakland perform live birth abortions where the baby is allowed to die during or after the abortion procedure. The hospital provides comfort care for the babies for hours after the procedure by wrapping the infant in a blanket and keeping it warm until it dies. Parents are allowed to hold the baby during this time if they want to. If staff did not have the time or desire to hold the baby, she was taken to Christ Hospital Comfort Room, which was complete with the first photo machine if parents wanted professional pictures of their aborted baby. Baptismal supplies, gowns, certificate, footprinting equipment, and baby braces for mementos and a rocking chair. He also revealed, she also revealed how she witnessed a nurse deliver a live baby, but then failed to clamp the severed umbilical cord, causing the baby to begin bleeding. The infant was then placed in a bag and thrown in the trash. Stanek also related how she held a 22-week-old Down syndrome baby for 45 minutes, the last 45 minutes 
of its life. And I say it again. If we had a real media, you would see these rooms. You would do what's called investigative reporting, and you would show that we have these comfort rooms. And that we have bleeding out babies and trash cans. How fucking vile are you as a human being? Yes, yes, all white people are the real terrorist Democrats. Not you chucking babies in garbage cans and letting them bleed out. No, yeah. Kelsey Gabbard is our last little abortion segment. She's not going to get elected now because she's for third trimester restrictions. So she's fucked. They want abortion until retirement now. It's gone beyond college. You can be... Zach in Tennessee could be 50. I'd be 70. And I just walk up and go, Zach, you got to die, bro. Because it's my right. Well, I guess that doesn't sound... I can't do that analogy right. Your mom would have to do it, because I don't have that right. But your mom's right to choose to abort you at 50 is okay. Jesus Christ. Angel mom booed while testifying about a son killed by illegal immigrants. Last week, Boston mother Maureen Maloney was booed while testing, testifying about the death of her son, Matthew Dennis, who was killed by in a 2011 drunk driving illegal with a criminal history. Maloney was testifying at the State House in opposition to bills seeking to grant driver's license to illegal immigrants. At the start of her testimony, Maloney held up a photo of Matthew and called out he was killed by an illegal immigrant drunk behind the wheel. About halfway into her three-minute testimony, a man behind Maloney booed the grieving mother, the Boston Herald reported. Not the Globe, because the Globe's all in. It just made me more determined. I don't want other people to lose their lives like Matthew did. I don't want other families to go through the heartache that the family deals with. And that's where I get the strength and stamina to keep doing this. Fucking Boston. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so once again, and then we're not going to track any of it. We're not going to track the damage they do, the property damage, the illegal fucking immigrants trashing shit because they're drunk we're not going to track that no we're not tracking that that's against our agenda Mike Bonin brings us to fucking California this was preceded by Brian Seltzer it sounds to me like Fox many many segments about homelessness in California has had an impact so this is a city councilman from California alright I'm going to read this garbage, and then I'm going to read you what they're going to do about their homelessness. Because now it's orange man bad. Mike Bonin. This is chilling. Donald Trump wants to crack down on homelessness and put people into government facilities. We buried refugee children and held hostage in this damn facility. What inhumane treatment will he sanction for the housed? And Trump freaking administration is actually causing homelessness, throwing immigrant families out over housing, cutting health care, contributing to worsening income inequality. Over the weekend, an angry woman actually asked me why we weren't putting unhoused people in internment camps. We did it for 120,000 Japanese. Why can't we do it now? Yeah, I'm sure that conversation came out of somebody's mouth. Sure, buddy. Sounds like Trump wants to grant her disgusting wish. This is inevitable result of the fear and hysteria stoked by Fox News and right-wing radio. Demonize the other, associate them with crime and disease, and then lock them up. First they came for the immigrants, then they came for the homeless. Are you next? 
Trump, the right-wing fear and paranoia machine, social media posts threatening violence, hate crimes like the attempt to burn down a homeless encampment, efforts to outlaw homelessness. It's all connected like the ever-worsening feedback loop we're seeing with climate crisis. Intersectionality! Ching, 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 ching! I need that talk show horn that you're like, what the fuck, dude? There is. There's a fucking plague. Measles. Shit on the street. That's not fear mongering. That's just stating fucking facts, dick nose. So the left went crazy over it. They want him to move it and do something. Larry O'Connor literally says it. The inhumane treatment already exists on the streets of your city thanks to your lack of leadership and solution for this crisis. Three people per day die on California streets. Three a day. So what's their plan? Proposed LA homeless plan would ban sleeping on more than 25% of city streets and sidewalks. That's their plan. Recent analysis found that a proposed plan to address homelessness in Los Angeles would ban people from sleeping on at least 26% of the city streets and sidewalks, making it more difficult for tens of thousands of unhoused individuals to find a place to rest. Under the proposal, L.A. would bar people from sleeping, lying, or sitting on streets and sidewalks in a list of prohibited areas. They cannot sleep within 500 feet of a school, park, daycare, any recently opened facility that serves homeless people, a provision that appears to be aimed at easing neighborhood opposition to new shelters and housing. And there it is. Boom! You liberals who vote in these dickheads like Bonin and want fucking everybody to have a driver's license, free medical, free everything... You don't want them in your area. Alyssa Milano's not setting up fucking tents in her front yard. But the White House is probably getting inundated by non-prog moon bats going, dude, it's bad. I mean, people, they have a shit map. It's an app. It tells you where the shit is. I don't have a shit app in Tennessee. There's no shit app. People aren't dropping trowel and dropping a fucking deuce on a sidewalk on Broadway. Nobody's doing that. But we don't have a problem, right? ICE, nearly 500 illegal immigrants in North Carolina had federal detainers, but were released. Released. And then you get the big money shot. Democrats coaching migrants during secret Mexico trips leaked letter alleges. Ranking member of the House Oversight, Jim Jordan, is demanding answers over Democrats' mysterious trip to Mexico, including details into alleged coaching of migrants to exploit United States immigration law. A letter from the Republican exclusively obtained by Fox News says, The letter, (coughs) addressed to committee chairman Cummings, inquires about at least two committee staff trips in Mexico in August, one of which required Border Patrol agents to provide a special escort back in the U.S., Fox reports Republicans were not informed of the trip, according to Representative Jordan. Although you have the authority to direct committee staff to travel internationally on official committee business, you have not explained why you authorized this travel into Mexico or why you sought to learn through these trips. 
Democrats are seeking to delegitimize the administration's border security effort and vilify the men and women who protect the border, Jordan accused, or stated factually, actually, noting that the trips could continue to result in misleading information about the administration's border security effort. The letter specifically asked Veronica Escobar, an alleged coaching of migrants. According to a report from the Washington Examiner, in July, Escobar was sending staff to Mexico's northern border towns of Chihuahua, Chihuahua, I don't know, Juarez, to find migrants returning, returned from El Paso, Texas, under the reign in Mexico policy, then coaching them to pretend they cannot speak Spanish to exploit a loophole and then return to the U.S. What we believe is happening is Veronica Escobar's office is going to basically second-guess and obstruct work already done by the Border Patrol. What did she say? It's a fabricated story. No, it's the truth. It's the fucking truth. To climate! Swedish scientists promote the most gruesome solution ever for fighting climate change. Speaking at the Gastro Summit, as a panel considered the topic, can you imagine eating human flesh? And that's his fix. We don't have cows anymore. We just fucking eat each other. Okay! Yeah. You fucking wahoos. New Yorker contributor abandons hope, claim climate apocalypse is inevitable. New Yorker contributor Jonathan Franzen wants people to stop pretending that the climate change apocalypse is just around the corner. He argues there's no hope of stopping it, but people need to re- refine, redefine hope in his bleak vision of the future. On September 8th, Franzen wrote that all-out war on climate change made sense only as long as it was winnable. Once you accept that we've lost it, other kinds of action take on greater meaning. His unusual view is what if we stop pretending was the uh, adverting a climate apocalypse was unrealistic, arguing the only way to prepare was to admit that we can't prevent it. Friends' lack of faith in the common liberal notion of saving the planet from climate change was revealing. As far as he could tell, it would take drastic changes, including draconian conservative conservation measures by all major polluting countries, including shutting down energy, transportation infrastructure, spending vast sums of government money on the correct actions instead of misguided ones like biofuels, and for overwhelming number of human beings, including millions of government-hating Americans, to accept huge tax hikes and severe curtailment of their lifestyle. What is he actually saying? What I say on every podcast. Live in a fucking cave. Eat grass. Give up your iPhone. Wake the fuck up! Eco-obsessive James Cameron freaks out about climate change. So let me get to it. Only good global citizens know the extent their community. Variety described that are not pulling any punches when it comes to converting carbon emitters. Sure, Cameron used to use not so subtle imagery in his blockbuster movies to mold unsuspecting Gia worshippers. Remember when there was cases of depression caused by seeing the eco paradise and Avatar? <laughs> Jesus Christ, liberals are weird. But now he's outright berating people to get with the program. People need to wake the fuck up. We're going the wrong direction as fast as possible. Cameron referenced the criminal hijinks of Hollywood Thelma and Louise to explain just how out of hand everything is. I like to say that we're like Thelma and Louise. We're driving straight towards a canyon at 90 miles per hour with the radio cranked up and the top down. Jesus Christ. 
You people are fucking unstable, man. So we got the New York Times saying, fuck it, all hope is lost. And James Cameron saying that I'm a middle-aged fucking woman with a scarf around my head driving towards a cliff. Hmm. Which brings us to our gem of a story. Chicago mayor claims Republicans are responsible for city's violence. And we're reading this whole one. Last week, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot engaged in a Twitter war with Senator Ted Cruz over the city's ongoing gun violence problem. Monday, she published an op-ed in Washington Post, of course, blaming pro-gun Republicans like Cruz with the city's sky-high murder rate, claiming the lenient GOP could save Chicago by instituting more strict, stringent federal gun measures. The social media interaction between Lightfoot and Cruz didn't go well for Lightfoot, who stepped in after the Texas Republican claimed Chicago persistent gun laws problem, persistent gun problem, sorry, was a perfect example of why more gun control laws don't necessarily mean less crime. Lightfoot responded by telling Cruz that 60% of illegal firearms in Chicago come from outside the state of Illinois and warned Cruz, coward Republicans, to keep our name out of your mouth. Cruz fired back, pointing out Chicago's prosecutors are lenient on gun offenders and the Chicago policy to allow weapons law violators return to the streets after posting a $1,000 bail. Leave Chicago residents exposed to violence. Lightfoot appeared to back off until Monday when she published the stupid op-ed saying it's the GOP's fault. The article was titled, Ted Cruz and others should stop using Chicago as a punching bag. Essentially claimed that lax federal gun laws allow bad guys in Chicago to buy guns without a background check. Reiterate that most of the guns used in Chicago shooting come from out of state and blames Republicans in Congress for failing to enact universal background checks and close the gun show loophole that doesn't exist. 60% of the firearms owned or used illegally recovered in Chicago come from outside the city. The guns don't recognize state lines or city boundaries. Cruz said the five U.S. cities with the highest murder rates have had Democratic mayors for decades and aggressive gun control policy. None seem to be working. He's making my case for me. As long as people can drive from Illinois to Indiana and purchase a personal arsenal without a background check, Chicago gun laws will always be weak as those of the closest permissive state. That state, Lightfoot says, is Indiana. But there are a few problems with their argument. For starters, trafficking guns over state lines is already illegal, as are straw purchases. Although Democrats in Chicago like to claim that offenders often buy their guns at gun shows in Indiana, where they can simply purchase weapons from other private individuals, most gun show sellers are also gun retailers who have to pass inspections, be licensed by federal government, and use NICs. And if 60% of the guns from out of state, that still means 40% of guns are coming from Illinois. And Indiana still has a state-mandated background check, and gun retailers must obey federal guidelines for legal gun purchases. Illegal gun purchases will likely remain illegal even if the laws change. Lightfoot tries to use the example of a man arrested for murder of a child in Chicago whose weapons were purchased illegally and shipped to him in New Mexico as an example of how the federal laws allow violence in Chicago to continue. But the man actually obtained this weapon illegally. He violated existing state and federal laws, and you didn't do anything about it, you jackass. The mayor goes on to invite Cruz out to Chicago to speak to people on the street, especially on the city's south and west sides, about how gun violence has impacted their communities. He would do that, but he doesn't want to get shot in the face by a gang, you stupid bitch. 
I said bitch. I don't care. Oddly enough, Lightfoot didn't encourage Cruz to speak to Chicago police, but they may hold the actual key to Chicago's ongoing violence problem. Gun offenders in Chicago are routinely arrested with little or no bail. Only a day or two after they're arrested, although the guns are often confiscated, gang members and other violent individuals are quickly returned to the street where they usually offend again. Yeah. You have gangs murdering people, pushing drugs. That's already breaking the law. And you've had so many fucking things that normal fucking citizens can't defend themselves in your fucking city. It's just fucking circular logic. AOC slams Republicans, reveal how much she owes in student loan at hearing. This was a huge thing on the left. I just wanted to read the title. Because if they're saying factually what you owe, why do you have a problem? Oh, because you're AOC. Got it. Federal court orders resentencing for Rand Paul's attacker who got 30 days in jail from a liberal, which you know would never fucking happen if they beat up, let's say, uh, Schumer. You think somebody get 30 days for beating the shit out of Schumer? I doubt it. Two quick hits, and then we're going to actually do a music break today and come back in for a little media hit and news of social media nuggets. As Trump slams corrupt Puerto Rico, FBI arrested a FEMA official for Maria Hurricane Maria relief fraud. Media is so asleep on the switch on this. From the million bottles just sitting there, it's just like Mr. Chocolate City all over again. Buses underwater. Blame Bush. This one's blame Trump. And then we got a late entry that I couldn't really fit in here, but it came up this morning. Supreme Court... Let me get my thing to work. Allows Trump asylum restrictions to take effect, ending Ninth Circuit injunction. And, to be honest, the only two people that didn't support this ruling was Sotomayor and Kagan. And what does that say? It says what I said last podcast. They're just frauds. Just liberal fucking activists who pretend to be judges. So, to a music break, we're going to play another Slipknot song from the new album. We'll come in the other side with our media mash for the day, and I'll break it down after it plays. Enjoy.
Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reese. Axios says, quote, the prospectus for the new project says it's, quote, targeting the people producing the news, unquote. Targeting. It's not mince words here. The president's supporters are developing a financial framework designed specifically to target journalists. The president makes a lot of political hay by discrediting the press. In fact, Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes says he told her why. He said, you know why I do it? I do it to discredit you all and demean you all so when you write negative stories about me, no one will believe you. Every once in a while, a moment of honesty from the president, that's serious. But if it's not serious enough for you, consider this. Remember this man. His name's Caesar Sayoc. He was sentenced just last month for mailing homemade pipe bombs to both prominent Democrats and several media figures that he considered to be enemies of President Trump. Sayoc's lawyers say he is, quote, a superfan who drew inspiration from President Trump. And Sayoc's campaign of terror happened before there was an organized effort by the president's allies to target, defame, and character assassinate journalists. Organized efforts to target and character assassinate journalists and discredit their reporting happen in places like Russia and China, places where freedom of the press is not guaranteed, places where journalists are followed, harassed, and smeared, places where journalists turn up dead or in jail. Organized efforts to target journalists should not happen in America. Some people love the president's attacks on the media. Some say that we should all lighten up, that it's all in good fun, or that the press deserves to be targeted. This is not fun, and it is not funny, and the press does not deserve it. Targeting journalists is not American, and you're targeting fellow Americans, by the way. And the American president, who's supposed to uphold the Constitution, should be saying so. Not necessarily encouraging this business. We'll be right back. When you look at the 2016 election and you look at it, how, relatively speaking, it was decided by a handful of, of votes in a few states... Do you think it's possible that the Russia's election interference actually worked? It actually elected Donald Trump. I, over I don't Clinton? think there is any evidence of that. And you know, I really don't think that that's a good conversation to have. Mm. I, I think that really does devalue the people in Wisconsin and Michigan and others who decided to vote for President Trump. But whether you like this president or not, whether you believe uh, that he should have been president or not, uh, let's let's give the credit to the Americans who went out and voted for somebody who they thought would bring change. And the question is, um, are we going to be responsive to some of the messages that were out there And Do You Hear Me Now? People who felt that they were disadvantaged by globalization, the unemployed coal miner in West Virginia, the opioid-addicted person in Pennsylvania. Are we going to be responsive to those people? That's really the question we should be asking. So do the people who say 
this court is going to move. They're going to overturn precedent. And now they're uh, five solid members. We could see a hard right turn. I just don't view judges that way. I, I reject that idea of how judges operate. As we talked about earlier, about half, 40% of our cases are decided unanimously. Um, we talked about the 5-4 cases. They make up a quarter of our docket, maybe a third. Those numbers have been consistent since the Second World War. The only thing that's new is that nothing is new. Some people do think things have changed. Uh, when you say nothing has changed, now there are solid five conservative members on the court. Something has changed. Yeah, I just, I, again, you, 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 to, to my mind, it hasn't. The, the, the wonder of the rule of law in this country is its consistency over time. And as troublesome as sometimes our times may seem, and as difficult as they may appear to us, this country has been through a lot of challenges and always risen resiliently to them, whether it's the civil rights movement, surviving through our civil war, or today's challenges. Whatever they may be, I've got great confidence in America. And I say to those who don't, look elsewhere. Where else would you rather be? Ahead, 16-year-old Greta Thunberg will be here with why she believes world leaders should panic over climate change. You, your message for world leaders is that it's time to panic and you want them to panic. What do you hope happens next? You said, you, said to, you said to us a moment ago, you want to push them against the wall. Yeah. To shame them, you said. And now you have, <laughs> now you have millions of kids around the, the world following you. What's it been like to watch that change? So that mash was that Chuck Todd one I wanted to get from last one, where, once again, if you dog the media, it's like a Russian attack all over again. You fucking jackass. Condi and Gorsh smashing the media bias. And CBS still airing that climate kid. I, I just don't understand. They're, they're not even an American. But they just, oh, they love that girl. Oh, they love her so much. Did some quick hits. CNN spends 181 minutes on a former Obama official. That's Jim Scudo. Dubious CIA stories. On Monday, CNN chief national security correspondent. You can only get that if you're a liberal. You understand that? You get these chief anything. You have to be a liberal and you have to work for a campaign or a president that has a D behind their name. Aaron, a questionable story blaming President Trump for the extraction of a longtime CIA asset in Moscow. <clears throat> Monday night, New York Times story cast serious doubt on Scudo's emphasis on Trump's behavior leading to the 2017 extraction, but CNN has unsurprisingly stood by Scudo because they just want to dog him. And it's 181 minutes, once again, on a bullshit story. But then we get to the good media stuff, because here comes your Democratic moderators. A Clinton spin doctor and a Trump resistor. The moderators for ABC's Thursday night Democratic debate, which is tonight, includes a former Bill Clinton campaign staffer and an anchor who was actually kicked out of a Trump campaign event. So it's safe to say ABC's Democrat debate host won't be asking any tough questions of the candidate, at least none from the right. All four questioners... George Snuffleupagus, David Muir, George Ramos, and Lindsey Davis are exactly hard, aren't exactly hard-hitting when it comes to their treatment of Democratic politicians. Before Stephanopoulos, I don't need to go into it. Let's just go into what they actually are doing. Here are some of the things they've done in the past. Stuffburger, 
Change the rhetoric unless it's anti-Trump. Across social media, hate speech and anti-Semitism are rampant and on the rise, all against the backdrop of the ugliest political climate in modern times. At the center, an unapologetic, incendiary president, untrammeled by traditional norms and civility. So yeah, all our divisiveness is always conservative-based. Never mind people with red hats getting beat down. Never mind Antifa. Don't even notice that the day he was inaugurated, they were burning shit down and saying, we want to blow up the White House. Trump's Nixonian deal. When you hear him put out the tweet, stable genius, it's kind of like Richard Nixon. America of high school age are 82 times more likely to die of gun homicides than their peers in the rest of the developed world. That has to be connected to the availability of guns, doesn't it? Yeah, he was doing a conservative. If the Hillary Clinton team, right when they complain about this double standard, they say, well, voters think she's dishonest in part because the media hasn't done its job calling out the dishonesty of Trump. We covered that one on the show. <laughs> Making sure we are always accurate, especially with these attacks coming in on the press, we have to make sure to go above and beyond to ensure that everything we do is accurate and fair. George Ramos. Do I need to read any of his shit? Probably not. Let's get to David Muir. We're going to begin with the historic power shift in Washington. Democrats taking over the House and making history with a new makeup of Congress. Do we remember that? Oh, we never had women. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Lindsey Davis, do you believe that elections are essentially rigged? You suggested voter suppression is more insidious now in 2019 than it was in the 60s. How so? Would you say that Trump is a white supremacist or a racist? Who was she interviewing? Stacey Abrams. Yeah. But... We know they're going to be Democrats questioning Democrats. The only really good fucking um, debates are when you have a conservative on stage because they ask real questions. Granted, you know, liberal litmus test questions, but they're questions. They challenge them. This shit's insane. I'm not going to break it down. CBS Kristen Ball reveals precise Democrat delegate counts Months before primaries. So we're already starting to push for candidates. Bernie Sanders now has 286 delegates, delegates, she says. Not 285 nor 287, but precisely 286. Elizabeth Warren might have a plan for whatever, but Anthony Silvano has a precise delegate count for it. They say that uh, former Vice President now cling to a narrow lead over Warren and our CBS YouGov tracker with an estimated 600 delegates to Warren's 545, and Sanders only has 286. Why would you be talking about delegates? I mean, Jesus Christ, there hasn't been a vote dropped yet. And our last one doesn't fit anywhere, but I had to cover this story because, once again, you know, I threw it in the media because this would be all over the place if she was an R. But a Camilla Harris staffer accidentally left a campaign memo at a restaurant. Here's what it says. 
Harris campaign staff accidentally left an internal memo at a Manchester, New Hampshire restaurant that was intended to prepare the California senator for questions about her poor poll numbers and limited number of presidential campaign stops in the first in-the-nation primary state. The briefing and talking points memo obtained by Politico also includes details about Harris' relationship with New Hampshire individual and Democratic politicians and provides insight into party influencer Harris's targeting. In July, she had a dinner with Bill Shaheen, husband of New Hampshire Senator Gene Shaheen, an automatic delegate to the 2020 Democratic Convention in Milwaukee, and had lunches with Manchester Mayor Joyce Craig and Senator Martha Hennessy. You haven't traveled to New Hampshire as frequently as some of your Democratic rivals, the memo says, anticipating the question from reporters. Is the state a priority for your campaign? Talking points to rebuff criticism include New Hampshire, absolutely a priority for my campaign. Excited to be back for the convention and other events around the state. Lots of voters are starting to tune in right about Labor Day. Fully intend to win in response to Path to Victory, Summer Slump. Harris campaign spokesman Ian Sam said the memo was a run-of-the-mill briefing document that is normal for campaigns. The first question from the reporter following her speech at the New Hampshire Democratic Party convention on Saturday addressed Harris spending less time. It's a very important state. Obviously, it's an early state. People, blah, 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 blah. And she went down there. Democratic primary polls follow the June primary debate is which she criticized former Vice President Joe Biden for working with segregationist senators in the 70s to oppose busing. But the bump wore off, and she now polls in the single digits while Warren and Sanders are winning more. Now, I know this seems like it's an in-the-weeds, who-gives-a-fuck, Tony. Every campaign has these kind of things. But do you think of a conservative fucked up like this? That Chuck Todd, Snuffleupagus, Tapper, when they answered the question, wouldn't say, well, your memo said that, but do you think that's really going to work? Let's be honest. By this time in 2016, anybody's single digit was getting pressed by the press. Why are you still running? Have you heard that from anybody? No. They're not going to fuck with it. They're going to hope Harris somehow wins this. Because once again, that is a super wet dream. A black female. As I've said on the show before, the only way it could be better for them is if she was gay. And if her poll numbers don't improve, she might start coming out of a closet, even though she's married to a guy, because she's going to try to use anything she can to get elected. Let's go to news, social, media, nuggets. Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind.
Alright, Turning Point USA? Turning Point. Oh, religious group? No, we're not a religious group. We're um, a limited government group. So, limited government group? Yes. Uh, so we are trying to create a national um, organization across the country. Uh-huh. We're a non-profit, not aligned with any uh, political party. We are all about limited government, uh, freedom of speech, and we like capitalism. There's no uh, reasonable expectation for privacy, so anything you say can be uh, reported. Well, this is for my personal safety, because I don't want anyone to attack me. 
I think that's a great you know, idea. How's it going? Uh, so this is a Turning Point USA. We're like a pro-America group. Awesome. So we're trying to set up a chapter here on campus. Uh, would that be something you'd be interested in uh, joining? We're going to have weekly meetings, uh, host some nice events as well. So, well, I have a more important priorities. Yeah. So if you want to give us your name and uh, email, the phone numbers, we can uh, let you know on our uh, list. So fun. Which is you in charge, sir? Um, she's in charge. Uh, no, unfortunately. Uh, this is not an approved tabling location. Okay. Can't just come and set up. Um, I mean, it's public campus. Uh, it's this is not an approved space for tabling. We have tabling process for vendors. Okay. So you can follow that process. Is that process online? to you, uh, Simon Riley. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we got shut down by the man. Now, I played that before Military Corner because I didn't want to forget to play it. I screwed up last podcast and missed a bunch of fucking sound bites that I didn't do. But that is actually um, a campus where they fucking shut down a conservative group. Just shut them the fuck down. That was an administrator doing it. And, you know, let's be honest. That's from Maryland. Calling basically trespassers. So, um... That, that's probably not good. I mean, considering how much Planned Parenthood shit goes on, if you have a problem with turning points, well, you should have problems a lot more. To our military section, so last-minute entries that came in, 90 Army posts have contaminated drinking water, which is just fucking horrible. Um, let me try to find the list to see who's on it. Oh, come on. Where's the fucking list? They don't list it. You gotta be shitting me. What kind of fucking shitty ass article is that? 
<laughs> anyway, I guess we'll move on. This is a big time Air Force bash, but I didn't do it intentionally. It's just how it came out. U.S. Air Force restricts KC-46, the new tanker, from carrying cargo and passengers. And a move that can have major impact on an already delayed tanker program, the U.S. Air Force has identified and definitely barred the KC-46 from carrying cargo and passengers. The decision was made after an incident occurred when the cargo locks on the bottom of the floor of the aircraft became unlocked during a recent flight, creating concerns that airmen could potentially be hurt or even killed by heavy equipment moving. That's all sorts of fucking bad. But it's not as bad as this one. The Air Force is investigating how white phosphorus rockets ended up all over a Tucson road. August incident that saw rockets outfitted with white phosphorus warheads spill out on a military vehicle on a Tucson roadway. Task of Purposes learned a photograph of the incident taken on August 16 by a passing airman and first published on a popular Air Force NCO Facebook page shows more than a dozen Hydra 70 2.75 inch air to ground rockets covering a road that appears adjacent to the aircraft boneyard at Davis-Mothan Air Force Base in Tucson. The rockets appear to be outfitted with seafoam green M156 and M259 white phosphorus warheads, same type that the Air Force A-10s use. Whoa. And that was supposed to be for a training mission. That's all sorts of bad. But they did some good shit, too. Air Force dropped 80,000 pounds of bombs on an island infested with ISIS fighters. But you go on with yourself, media, New York Times. There's no threat. It's white people. It's goddamn white terrorism. The U.S. F-35 Joint Strike Fighter and F-15 Strike Eagles dropped nearly 80,000 pounds in weapons Tuesday on Islamic State targets on Qanas Island in central Iraq as part of a larger coalition operation against the extremist group. The U.S.-led international coalition said it targeted ISIS militants on the island located in Salah and Ad-Din province along the Tigris River to deny safe haven. Um, The F-35 dropped 36,000 kilograms of bomb on the dash-infested island. So that's good to see. I've been covering a lot of the F-35 stuff lately because that's going to be the fighter of the future. So it's good to see it's kicking ass. Marines select new night vision binoculars for grunts. The Marine Corps just awarded $250 million contract for binocular-style night vision device to give Marines better depth perception. The September 6th contract to Harris Corporation results in 14,000 squad binocular night vision goggles that Marine infantry units will start receiving in spring 2020, according to September 10th news release. The new system combines a binocular night vision device and enhanced clip-on thermal imager. The whole system is lighter than the current PVS-15 night vision goggle and can detect and recognize targets in extreme low light, bad weather, and the presence of smoke. Plus, it has a more important depth perception that I've already talked about on the show. Jury awards Marine Corps housing family more than $2 million for mold health issue and privatized housing. I'm going to tell you right now, old Scott in Georgia, who's a cop, my battle buddy, freaking 2-7 out there in NTC, his poor family dealt with all sorts of shit, which a lot of people don't know. In desert climates, black mold's horrible. And they kept talking to housing eventually before I departed the National Training Center. 
all the houses got destroyed. Then it just tear them all down. They were full in the walls of black mold. His wife had all sorts of issues, and the army just kept saying, well, there's nothing, there's nothing, until they finally opened up a fucking wall. So good to see somebody get some money. And Scott, you and your wife need to go get some cash. New blood test could identify troops and veterans with PTSD. Physicians could potentially one day identify veterans with a post-traumatic stress disorder through a quick blood test instead of a complex psychological test, thanks to a new research from Army and outside biometric experts published for the first time Monday. The study, which appeared in the journal Molecular Psychiatry, found a set of 27 blood markers which help identify patients suffering from PTSD. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. That could help a lot of guys. And then finally, timeline problems for Top Gun 2. And we're still covering this because it's coming. I can't wait. 30 plus years of service, combat medal citation, the only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years, yet you can't get a promotion. You won't retire. And despite your best efforts, you refuse to die, Harris Scowls. You should be at least a two-star admiral by now, yet here you are, Captain. Why is that? The new trailer for Top Gun Maverick has dropped last week, and this is a dated article, but I never read it before. It was indisputably the white-knuckle thrill ride of the summer, a blur of aerial acrobatics and beach volleyball that made us wonder how we ever lost that love and feeling in the decades since we first met Pete Maverick Mitchell in 86. But it also made us wonder something else. Why is Maverick still flying combat missions in a Super Hornet at 57-year-old after more than 30 years of service? We're clearly not the only ones curious as to why Maverick hasn't moved on to ventures like, say, flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog poo out of Hong Kong. <laughs> 30 plus years of service, Comet Medals, and they, uh, why are they repeating themselves? Essentially, the Navy is, okay. Luckily for Harris and everyone else who's paying close attention, the Navy has answers. Here's what Navy Personnel Command told USNI News of Maverick's certiculous return to the big screen. The most straightforward answer to have a captain with 35-plus years of service is for the captain to have previously enlisted experience. In the case of Maverick, this scenario doesn't fit with the movie timeline. Maverick was a lieutenant in 86. Another possible scenario occurs if there's a break in service. For instance, perhaps at some point after the famous incident involving MiGs of uncertain origin over the Indian Ocean, as depicted in Top Gun, Maverick left active duty and did some time in the Navy Reserves. Then later returned active duty with more than five years in the reserves. Maverick would be pushing 37 years in uniform. Final scenario for Maverick could be he was... He were retired but retained in service, a scenario that keeps individual in uniform after reaching their statutory retirement, and because he's a great pilot, they put him out there at Top Gun School. Or there's a fourth solution. It's a fucking movie. Lighten the fuck up. I, I'm depressed seeing military people losing their minds over this Maverick shit. From the jacket to his time in service. Who fucking cares? He's fucking Maverick. Let's go watch a damn movie and have some fun. Two, our college crazy. Professor says university make it easier, easier for Antifa ideas to be put into practice. It was a Bucknell University professor, Alex Riley. Yeah. Are you sure? This is like Captain Obvious. It was like two articles on campus reform. I don't understand. That's just obvious. It's what you guys believe. America's bad. 
The next one's even worse. Professor Antifa sympathizer set to speak on 9-11 anniversary at the campus where I teach. Bucknell University professor who wrote an op-ed published Monday that his school has invited former Dartmouth College professor Mark Bray, author of the controversial book The Antifa Handbook, to speak on the eve of the 18th anniversary of September 11th's attack. Trump is currently considering label Antifa, which is often used as violence as a domestic terror group. Bucknell University sociology professor Alexander Riley, author of the book Angel Patriots in the Sky, The Crash of United Flight 93, and The Myth of America, wrote in a piece for the Federalist title, Bucknell University, to host Antifa leader promotes political violence at the campus where I teach. Riley writes, this week we're seeing an example of this insidious creep towards the left's open embrace of violence against those who advocate for conservative ideas. The Humanities Center at Bucknell University has invited Bray to speak on September 10th. Riley says the event with Bray is the first of a year-long series titled Confronting Fascism. Really? You're the fucking fascist. This guy is a fucking fascist and only Chuck Todd couldn't see it because he had him on three fucking times. Conservative Women's Group on Removing Photos of Male Scholars. We don't have to erase men for female success. Elite universities across the country are dismantling walls made up of portraits of doctors, scientists, and other notable alumni. The reason too many of them are white males. There you go. Yeah, take the pictures down. It all goes away. Motivated by feelings of diversity and exclusion, many of America's top universities are struggling to decide what to do with their own dude walls, honoring university community members for their outstanding achievement. Rockefeller University in New York is the oldest biomedical research university in the U.S., with an impressive list of alumni who have been awarded either the Nobel Prize or the Lasker Award. As such, the university honors these individuals by showcasing their portraits. The only catch... They are all men, and some within the community view this as a serious problem. MSDNC host Rachel Maddow reportedly termed the wall of male photos a dude wall when speaking at the school in 2015. Rockefeller University, Howard Hughes Medical Institute neurobiologist Leslie Vosnell, and others within the community have banded together to form a committee dedicated to bringing more diversity to the wall. It is unclear if Vosnell and her counterparts want to expand the qualifications for being placed on the wall, or if they want to ensure that non-white and female Rockefeller students become Nobel and Lasker recipients. 100% of them are men, she says. It's probably 30 headshots, a 30 man. So it's imposing. I think every institution needs to go out into the hallway and ask, what kind of message are we sending with these oil portraits and dusty old photographs? So basically what we're saying is everybody gets a picture now. Harvard did the same thing because they found there are 31 portraits of white male figures found on a dude wall. In fostering an environment where everyone has equal opportunity to achieve their dreams, we should be careful not to erase history, Lips said. For women to succeed, we don't have to erase men or their past achievement. George Washington University professor Jonathan Turley, who's on CNN all the time, also weighed in for a column on the Hill. 
For most of us, the obvious message is that these individuals achieve the highest honor in the fields, and the significance is neither their race nor their gender, but their intellect. All of those portraits represent the greatest among us as intellectuals. To see only their race and gender is not just backlash against intellectual achievement, but can be itself a form of racial and gender bias. So let's just everybody get a picture. Everybody's employee of the month. Everybody gets a fucking Nobel. I mean, when you just handed that shit to fucking Obama. He didn't do anything. Gave it to him just because he was black. And he was cool. He made really good ringtones for your phone. But then increased combat all over the fucking planet. <laughs> I wish I thought was just so fucking funny. You didn't even care. But literally, think about that. A picture of dudes on a wall is imposing. Imposing what? This goes back to my old adage, man. If you walk around the planet looking for racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, everything's racist, sexist, homophobic, and transphobic. That's just what you're going to see. That's why race hustlers keep their jobs. When milk's racist, I can keep my job, man. Hate crime investigation. Church vandalized after opposing drag queen story hour. Let's just stop for a second. Let's think about that. You're hating on a church for not having a drag queen story hour. Hmm. I just don't know of any religion that has drag queen on the top of, we want our kids to hang out with you. I just don't see it. It's not a Christian thing. In Islam, this story would be hate crime. Mosque tosses drag queen off the fucking roof. A San Diego area church was vandalized over the weekend after opposing city-run events where men dressed in drag read books to children at public libraries. A pastor of the South Bay Pentecostals Church said... He believes there's no doubt the crime was committed against the House of Worship for their opposition to drag queen story time. According to ABC 10, San Diego. Hey, stay classy, San Diego. Is that what it says? I don't remember. I love that fucking movie. The incident of being investigated by police as a possible hate crime. Sure enough, in every corner there were phrases, hateful words, and the graffiti on the walls of the church, said Pastor Amando Hazar. The message were reportedly associated with Satan. According to the ABC affiliate, Hazar said the church surveillance system captured two men parking their sedan in the church parking lot around 3 a.m. Sunday and walking towards the building. Fifteen minutes later, they were seen jumping back in the car with what looked to be spray cans in their hand. Hozar has been vocal in his opposition to taxpayer-funded drag queen events for children, deeming them age-inappropriate. Holy shit, isn't that a concept? It's inappropriate. Yeah, you can go do it when you're adult, but these are kids. The Chua Vista Public Library said this is a reflection of our community. I beg to differ. The pastor said, adding, if the people want to make that happen, do it at a private setting, at a bookstore, at a home, but not at the Chula Vista Public Library. I'm all about diversity. I'm all about inclusiveness. My last name is Latina. 
He didn't say that. But it is. When you do something like Drag Queen Story Hour, you're excluding a segment of the population who are not in favor of this because of what we experience today or scared to speak out. Over the past few years, so-called Drag Queen Story Hour events have popped up in library cities in the United States and places across Europe. Drag Queen Story Hour, DQSH. Oh, it's got its own acronym. It's just what it sounds like. Drag Queen's reading stories to children in libraries, schools, and bookstores. The organization website states, DQSH captures the imagination and play of the gender fluidity of childhood and gives kids glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models. In spaces like this, kids are able to see people who defy rigid gender restriction and imagine a world where people can present as they wish, where dress-up is real. No! No to all of that. Every fucking part of that. No, no, no. Last month, the program was again under fire after a video circulated on social media of a drag queen at one of the events teaching kids how to twerk. And we covered it on the show. Mama G instructed children in the United Kingdom library earlier this month, according to Lifeline's news. And then you crouch down in sort of position so your bump sticks out. Then you just move your bum up and down like that. And that's twerking. Woohoo! The Daily Wire last year, religious and conservative areas around the nation have started to push back against the program, according to the Associated Press. Huzar said the attack on the church will in no way deter him from speaking out. Very sad. heartbroken. But I'm going to continue to speak. If it was a mosque, the media would color cover, but they're not, because it's Christian. They don't give a fuck. America's first ever, here it comes, drumroll, <laughs> gay bank. Yeah, a gay bank. What the fuck is a gay bank? Is that where your money pretends to, it, this is where cash pretends to be credit, and credit pretends to be cash checks are really wire transfers is this worth saying I, I'm so confused on Monday the state of Michigan all the things wrong in the world the state of Michigan approved a charter for super superbia credit union which will offer products and services specifically designed to meet the financial needs of lesbians gay, bisexual, and transgender customers, a democratic demographic that has increasingly appealing buying power for financial institutions. So is this so you can get your dild- your strap-on credit card? What special needs do they have? I got to get the fake dick to shove in my pants? I'm pretty sure Visa already pays for that. So does cash. I need a loan to get my dick turned into canoe. I'm sure you could get a signature loan anywhere. It doesn't really matter. You can get a collateral loan. Yeah, I'll put up my title. Get your title back with Title Max for your dick chopping off surgery. I don't think Title Max would give a fuck what you do with the money. This is the most absurd thing I've ever fucking heard. As the world's only LGBTQ profit for purpose provider. Oh, promise for purpose. Okay, gotcha. Superbia is here to force the need needed systematic change in banking, insurance, and healthcare and install a new paradigm in funding 
LGBTQEIEIO social equality. The credit union founder, Miles Myers, announced on LinkedIn, Superbia Credit Union will offer products which are often outside the scope of more traditional lenders, such as loans for transgender people in the process of transitioning. That is such bullshit. I just said it was bullshit. Nobody gives a fuck what you're using the money for. Says Miles Myers, founder of the New York-based Superbia Service Incorporated. Bloomberg's Jeff Green reported Monday, Michigan decision green lights the new LGBT-focused credit union to form a board of being hired and begin hiring executives. The financial institution plans to begin offering online services to customers in 2020. Superbia said Myers also plans to expand beyond the credit union, offering products such as health care and insurance and services like wealth management geared to meeting the needs of LGBT individuals. Do you need something different when you're super old? Oh, yeah, you want to get your dick back. So you got to get another loan? I need to refinance my dick chop fucking loan to put my dick back on. Green notes that there's an increasing financial incentive for banking services that target the gay community and demographic. A white tech communications survey in 17, nearly a trillion dollars in collective buying power for gays. Where did you get that from? 3.5 and 0.7. Even if we go high, I say this every podcast, I know it's annoying, 5.7% of the country's gay. While corporate America has largely embraced the LGBT community, often advertising that support and hundreds of companies have signed on to support federal and state laws to give equal protection to the community, Green writes, some studies have found that same-sex couples are less likely to be approved for a loan and pay more for the financing if approved, all because they have shitty fucking credit and the rest of their life is a shit pile and has nothing to do that they eat clam or eat a bag of dicks. That has nothing to do with it. You're once again taking numbers and just making some lies up. Nobody's... No. If your life is a steaming pile of shit, regardless if you eat dick, eat gooch, Chop your dick off, take your hoo-hoo and make it a dick. You're going to pay more. It's called fucking credit, jackass. It's like a loan shark. That's all these people are. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, they're a loan shark. If the risk is higher, you're paying more. I bought a motherfucking van at 29% interest. After I had to file bankruptcy in my 20s because the motherfucker bought my house and bailed. And we weren't in the country. It wasn't because I was white and they persecuted me. It wasn't because I was heterosexual. It was because I was a fucking risk. That is so fucking stupid. Myers is making the perception that members of the LGBT community face discrimination in financial services a key component of Superbia's pitch customers. I was inspired to start Superbia by the sheer lack of needs and quality, equal treatment of the LGBT being addressed and provided for in banking, insurance, blah, blah, blah. Myers writes on his LinkedIn page, obvious and harmful misses are the access to quality LGBTQ designed products and deliver of service within an affirming experience guaranteed to be free of intolerance and discrimination. Myers also stresses the buying power of the LGBT community. I firmly believe that the LGBTQ community of 10 to 15 million can and should, that number is inflated, organize in ways like never before to unify our voice, the nearly 1.7 trillion in banking. 
Superbia is the first in the world. Superbia uses a unique structure of commercial and social entities designed to unify the community and deliver banking, insurance, healthcare, and other services that actively address, solve, and service the needs of LGBTQ individuals, families, and businesses. Superbia affirms you as an individual and elevates the LGBT community as a whole. We do this through the undeniable... Who the fuck wrote this? Glad. Get the fuck out of here. But there it is, guys. Milk is racist, and now we have gay banks. Yeah. Outmag applauds Warren Dragon speech on trans murder epidemic. As we prove it on the show... None of them have to do with murdering because they're trans. Like, one in ten is actually transphobia. The rest is just their shitbags that got caught with drugs or whatever, and that's how they fucking died. Listen to the Okay, I don't know why they listen to the article. That's a big thing on all these articles now. They're trying to... I guess they have audios? I don't know. You know what really sounds like a priority in the next president of the United States? Well, beside orchestrating a bu- bunch of wacky plans about free college or using $3 trillion to stop humanity from eating beef, how about ignoring many of the other problems faced by the average citizen and giving special treatment to the plight of drag queens? That's what Elizabeth Warren wants to do. Out Magazine publishes a piece on its all the great things the Democratic Senator from Massachusetts has been doing for the drag community where Donald Trump is throwing rallies for the angry fascists in North Carolina and talking about stupid things like record African-American unemployment, the 2020 presidential candidate is going where the American spirit really resides. Dragon! Yeah, that's a thing. And talking about real issues like out called the epidemic of trans murders in 2019. Warren recorded a video for the annual drag extravaganza, which began with the first resolution to fight for full LGBTQ EIEIO equality. We've got a lot of work to do to make sure everyone is free to be who they are and love who they love. Out drew particular focus on Warren's call to end violence against trans individuals, a phenomenon the outlet referred to as an epidemic. The piece stated in 2019, at least 18 trans individuals have been killed, the vast majority of whom were black. Every one of those murders was a crime and a tragic, but epidemic denotes something widespread or rampant. The most recent U.S. homicide report in 2017 said there were 17,284 murders and non-negligent manslaughter cases nationwide. So those 18 crimes represent 0.01% of the total. Furthermore, if you accept the figure from the Pro-Trans Williams Institute, the U.S. trans population is 1.4 million. Therefore, 18 represents just 0.00013. Besides, the trend in those crimes is not upward. The Human Rights Campaign recorded in 2017 there were 29 trans deaths, and CNN reported that there were more than two dozen killed in 2018. Unless there is an urban spike in the phenomenon between now and December, it seems that 2019 will number will number will be stable or slightly less than but we never talk about reality. Warren discussed her fight against current U.S. policy that favor a thinner and thinner slice of the top because it sure seems willing to prioritize suffrage of a group that's clearly a very thin slice itself, specifically 0.5% of the U.S. population. I don't know where they're referencing that. I still have it as 0.7. Yeah. So 18 people got killed. You don't even know if they were trans. That's why they were killed. Probably had nothing to do with it. So we'll say two out of those 18. So two 
murders is an epidemic. This is why we fucking hate this LGBT bullshit and progressive bullshit. You just are fucking so full of shit. There are 22 vets committing suicide a day. And you don't, not one of the Democrats or the media actually give less than a fuck over it. They don't even care. Not even a fuck is given. But we're going to have a fucking fit over 18 people. Most of them killed in bad drug deals. Last Jedi director, Rian Johnson, or Ryan, latest film is a fuck you to Trump. There you go. After alienating a large portion of his audience with thinly veiled SJW sermonization in The Last Jedi director, Rian, Ryan, whatever the fuck, latest films, Knives Out, makes his goal of taking direct aim at Trump supporters front and center. According to Society Reviews, after debuting at Toronto International Film Festival, Ryan Johnson's latest outing has garnered a certificate, a certified fresh 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. With critics all over social media, heaping praise upon it for having the not-so-courageous audacity to mock Trump supporters and white entitlement in a town packed with hardcore members of the anti-Trump resistance. Knives Out is a fun fuck-you to rich white Trump voters wrapped in a crafty Agatha Christie package. Very pro-immigration, and none of this is subtle. Enjoy it in a crowd, said film critic Tommy Thomas Laffey. Congrats to Johnson for writing the most Tenova of films. Knives Out is a total blast and a total takedown of privileged gringos. So, hmm. Let's see if we can find a soundbite. So, a little Google searching. Here's your soundbite of the fuck you to Trump voters. Woo! I suspect foul play and eliminated new suspects. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot. This is Trooper Wagner. I just want to ask a few questions. Well, we understand the night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it? Uh, the party? Pre my dad's death? Oh, it was great. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live till I die. You think one of his family killed? Is that what you're suggesting? You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, oh, eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely eat shit. Gonna You know something. Spill it. I suspect. Foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. <laughs> I'm gonna live, 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 
twisted web. We are not finished untangling it, not yet. What is this? CSI KFC? I don't get it. Whatever. Okay. That, that's your fucking craziness. An Oregon news anchor wore pants during a broadcast. She then shared the body-shaming comments she received. A weekend news anchor and TV reporter in Portland, Oregon, is doubling down on her presence for high-waisted pants after a male viewer, viewer told her to dress like a normal woman in a message sent to her Facebook work account. Maggie Vespa, who works at Portland's NBC KGW-TV, posted photos of herself wearing a different pair of high-waisted pants on five separate newscasts over the weekend because she wanted to draw attention <clears throat> to pressure that women who work in the public eye face daily. Vespa, a nine-year veteran of broadcast journalism, also delivered an on-air commentary about the remarks on Sunday's late-night news. I'm a pretty secure person, but ten years ago this would have rattled me. I probably would have stopped stopped wearing whatever the that guy was criticizing and would have gone out there with my minuscule paycheck and tried to buy some more clothes and tried to adjust. I remember that time, and I just thought that something is starting out and getting comments like this, me calling it out for what it might make it easier for them. Vespa said she received two messages from the viewer before blocking him. She declined to identify the viewer by name. A video segment accompanying her on her commentary blacked out the name as well. And one, he said she looked ridiculous in pants that ride halfway up your torso. Please change your wardrobe. You're way too pretty to look so foolish, the viewer wrote. She replied to him and said she would not change her attire, prompting the viewer to write back while she was on air Friday. And the message he wrote, Oh my God, you really look uncomfortably uncomfortably tonight. Try dressing like a normal woman. Doesn't KGW pay you enough for wardrobe and makeup? Here's my deal. All right. Why am I covering this stupid shit? That's progressive Oregon. And this kind of ties into the fucking tranny shit we just went through. One person. If I bitched and moaned about every one... um, Just the Shannon Watts. I was an asshat, baby murder, um, un-American, unpatriotic, a killer, because I said I criticized something and called her a POS. And I'd actually write out piece of shit. The left is so funny on this shit. They will lose their ever-loving fucking minds over somebody saying something when they can make a fucking political point. And I can't believe KGW, which, you know, I watched when I was like, when I lived there. And that's kind of how I got on NBC News until, you know, just recently I stopped watching NBC. But <clears throat> we used to watch the Today Show, the whole nine yards, and we watched NBC Nightly News, the whole, and we watched everything. But I can't believe that they let her air it over one viewer. A troll became a news story. Really? Miss Monopoly and CNN reported this. It's a real fucking thing. And it fixed the gender wage gap. Liberals ruin everything. 
Unveiled this week will celebrate women's empowerment by reconfiguring the classic Monopoly board to be more female-friendly, including bumping the pay of female players who make it all the way around the board list of properties by rewarding them with extra pay. The theory is that women make only around 70 cents for every dollar men make in the real world. Total lie. So Monopoly will give them an advantage. Unlike the classic game, women will collect 240 Monopoly bucks when they pass go, while males will only get 200. The idea is to create a game where women make more than men. The first game to do so, according to Hasbro. It's a fun new take on the game that creates a world where women have an advantage. Blah, blah, blah. Eat a bag of dicks. Jesus, that's the dumbest thing. Just the dumbest couple quick hits, and then we have another SJW thing we're going to go into. At may tell Facebook about last time users had sex, study says. At least two menstruation tracking apps, Maya and MIA Femme, were shared intimate details of users to Facebook. Well, shame on you for not catching that shit. Cashier arrested in Japan for allegedly using photographic memory to steal credit cards of about 1,300 customers. Holy fucking shit. Talk about a rain man. I want to make that girl my friend. And last but not least, I just ran it about AT&T and DirecTV, I believe, in the last podcast. And today is called Dish Day. I'm going to actually finally make the step away. I've been with them since two or 1997. Prime Star, Tudor Direct TV, two cable, back to Direct TV. So on their records, it's 2004. I've always loved Direct TV until recently. Well, now they might lose ESPN Free From and the Disney Channel. They're talking about pulling it from AT&T, so that's pretty fucked up. So let's get our last little SJW. <clears throat> this, to me... Um, it it just fucking sums up how the left ruins everything. I'm going to play a soundbite, and then I'm just going to read two of the billion replies from Twitter, from progressives, who melted the fuck down over it. My friend, you are just adorable. So ABC News tweets these two toddlers heartwarming reception to spotting each other on the street will make your day. Two little kids. One is black, one is white. Jessica Valenti. I'm glad I'm not on Facebook anymore so I don't have to watch every quietly racist cousin share that two babies hugging video. $100 says one of them posted it with all babies matter. So she intersectionality back to we must 
murder kids. Stop having kids. But you know, with intersectionality wahoos, well, we're gonna we're just gonna roll out Mr. Fucking Racist himself, Tariq Nasid. Several people have sent me the heartwarming video of these two kids hugging. People have been trying to make this story go viral in order to create a racial harmony narrative. But this is just a Trojan horse to promote the white male adoptive parents of the black child. There is a lot of money in adoption game. And when they adopt black kids, they can get away with doing literally anything to those babies with no repercussions. Who said anything about their sexual preferences? Why did you interject something about sexual preferences of this? I never mentioned one thing about anyone's sexual preference in the relation of the story. What would that have to do with anything? And that is because it was gay parents. Two gay dudes. And I think that is the perfect microcosm of the left. I was going to make it the tweet of the day. I decided not to, and I decided to push it to the end. I just think that sums up the left so much. They can't look at something really happy. It has nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with anything. It was just really cute. These two little kids see each other, and they're just so fucking happy. It was just a really sweet video. I didn't even think about it. I saw it on Twitter. I was like, well, that's a cute fucking video. But you have the abortion crowd. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't have that. Man, you are personalizing a fucking fetus. Because that's in their mind. They're toddlers, but they're still fetuses. Woman right to choose. I can kill that motherfucker until they're 50. And then you have Mr. Fucking Racist himself. If you don't adopt black kids, you're a racist. If you adopt black kids, you're still a racist and you're not raising the black kid right. Remember, we did a whole thing from the root where they're not combing that nappy head. I mean, does that just not encapsulate the left? Sweet God. It is, that is the college or the news and social media nugget fucking, I, that's like a home run. I can't get a better story than that. It sums up all the crazy shit we talk about. They can't look at a video as just two cute kids. They have to take it and make it some crazy SJW shit to bash people with. Because that's what they do. Two are lighter fare. Alright, a few funny and we're going to end this thing up. Hillary Clinton reads her own emails for an hour in an art exhibit in Venice where all 60,000 pages are on display. They are just so boring. Why did I put it in here? Because she's literally sitting at a mock-up of the presidential desk. And it still shows, oh so far away, she's fucking delusional. And the left, because that was from HuffPo, doesn't get that the 60,000 emails meant something or else she would have been elected the next one's more funny because it's just porn hub well I, I cover the porn hub stuff because it's just fucking insane how many people go to this website they're now going to go into fine art i'm not making that up they're going to do art real art on the website they have 120 million daily visitors but i doubt many of them are going there to see some van gogh's 
And last but not least, 33,000 newsroom jobs slashed. Newspaper, the last choice for news. This is an actual article from the media that has been pushing to us forever, forever, that newspapers are going away. But now it's newspapers aren't going away. And I'm wrong. There's one other thing. There was an actual uh, list of the best places to live, all right, ranked from first to last, uh, the top 50. America's best cities, which focus on the big cities of America, how times have changed. San Francisco, which is now a mess because of drug needles and shit and feces, was ranked first on the list. San Francisco provides citizens with the best blend of entertainment Education, safety, clear air, and prosperous economic base. As the heart of the Bay Area, San Francisco draws on a prosperity, Silicon Valley, and possesses its own diverse history. So that's what they're still putting out there, Business Insider. But then the Wall Street Journal does one from real people. And all the top towns are not run by Democrats. And I just thought it was funny as shit because they still have the media lying for them because how could San Francisco be the best city in America if you have a shit map? Yeah, you have a shit map, but yeah, the real one, the number one was mostly Texas. There's a shitload of Texas. The closest to me where I live or anybody on the show, let's see. Uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, Jasper, Indiana, South Dakota, North Dakota, there's a Kentucky on there somewhere, Edgeward, Kentucky, sorry, there wasn't any Oregon or Washington ones on this list, so it's going to bring us to our This is America, I try to stay away from totally crazy stuff, when I first heard this soundbite, I literally wanted to um, pull out beheading videos. But that's just so vulgar. And I never watched any of those because they're just just horrible. There was a site that got shut down by the U.S. government. I think it was actually being run by um, terrorists, you know, Al-Qaeda at the time. And it would be the montage of Iraqi snipers killing Americans, Al-Qaeda blowing shit up, and all the beheading videos, including that poor guy who was a contractor, big guy, um, looked like me, overweight, and they chopped his head off and put it on his chest. But um, I didn't want to go that route. And it still fits in This Is America, because it's a new soundbite, and I had never heard this. Um, I'm sure some people had, but I didn't really look out the most devastating stuff. So as we go through this 9-11 stuff, man, I'm seeing videos I've never seen. Like there's one with the South Tower second airplane. I had seen it from, you know, the TV angle, but I had never seen it from the side where it hits. And I saw a bunch of those videos. But um, this Kevin Cosgrove soundbite, and I'm going to edit it way down. The It's very muffled because he's you know yelling. He's engulfed in smoke. And he's on the 102nd floor, I believe. 
And I want to preface this before I go into This Is America. Because this is what terrorism is. I had never heard that. And it was a TV show, and his wife said she was happy that he got to speak. Because in all this, it goes on for a very long time. He he said goodbye to his family. I think he knew he was going to die. And that silence you heard is the length of time it took for that tower to collapse. Once again, I could play suicide bombings. I could play all the beheading. I could play San Bernardino. I could go on and on. I could play the videos of ISIS driving down streets in Iraq, doing drive-bys, a normal citizen, and killing them because they're from the wrong sect of Islam. But if you're a conservative, you already know that. If you're a soldier, you already know. If you served in the war on terror, you met these people. But that's not what CNN said yesterday. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. Here's a startling statistic. Since 9-11, right-wing terrorists have killed more people in the United States than jihadist terrorists. That's according to New America. There are some folks for who their, for their own political purposes would like to keep the focus on only one form of political violence over another. But that would be unwise. Because we don't have the luxury of choosing which threats we face. And there's a case to be made that these threats actually echo each other, as our colleague Jim Shuto and others have argued. They're weaponized versions of tribalism, motivated by fear and finding identity in their hatred of the other. As Max Fisher of the Times wrote, In both, there's the apocalyptic ideology that predicts and promises to hasten a civilizational conflict that will consume the world. To mark the 18th anniversary of 9-11 is to reflect on how we're all the children of 9-11. That attack unleashed destructive forces that we're still wrestling with. But to truly learn the lessons of 9-11 is to resolve not to let hate win or fear define us. And that's your reality check. None of that is true. The rise of white supremacists, right wing, where? You're saying radical Islam is killing people? Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, you're not. Because that's the fact. Third year in a row, it went down in 2018. 18,874 people killed due to Islamic terrorism. 
not white supremacy. <clears throat> and they never prove any proof that white supremacy killed anybody. You garner hate crimes and you tabulate them when it's just once again what we talk about. The 18 people that got killed in 2018 because they're transgender, maybe one of them was actually because they were transgender. The rest had nothing to do with it. It was their spouse. It was a drug deal. We did a whole thread six months ago on that. Ten that the guy could research had nothing to do with it. Nothing. They just happened to be transgender. And that's how the media does it. If you're black and you're murdered by a white person, it's racism. If you're a woman and you're murdered by a male, it's sexism. If you're gay and the person was straight, it's homophobia. And that's how they try to push their numbers. They never have to produce any data to show it. And that New Republic is a lie. But why do I play it? It's facts. It's what we know. This is what the media does. This is how progressives deal with everything that they don't want to actually acknowledge because it doesn't politically benefit them. It still proves the point that they don't get it. I could have played beheadings. I could play mass beheadings, debt cord beheadings, burning of pilots, drowning of people. Do we remember this? That's what radical Islam's doing worldwide. Some white dude gets in a fist fight with a black person, you call it a hate crime. Some dude gets in a fight with a dude dressed as a chick. It's trans murder epidemic. Really? And it's just horrible. You are justifying that what happened on September 11th, once again, we had coming. We deserved it. America's bad. You know, people say on the internet, progressivism is a mental illness. I don't think that's the case. I just think they spend a lot of time making everything political and it blows out the right or wrong edict. Now some will say, well, you, you're not for gun control. Yeah, I am. I, I think we should have background checks. I don't care if you stop loopholes. It'll be a pain in the ass if I want to sell my gun to Matt. If we lived in the same you know, state. I'd have to go down and pay 25 bucks to do a background check and do some paperwork. But what you want to do is gun confiscation. What you want to do is red flag laws that Matt gets an argument with somebody at work or I get an argument with somebody in Walmart and you want to take all my guns away. Because you just want to take the guns away. You don't want guns. That's, that's what you want. That's not a political thing for me. That's a lifestyle thing. And once again, I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you want to be a goat. That's your lifestyle choice. But you spend all your time telling me I can't have my lifestyle and I must embrace your lifestyle. That's what you want me to do. 
Well, here's a lifestyle choice for you. Since these wars started, 22 servicemen have committed suicide a day. We've been fighting for 18 years, not with the figment of our imagination, not just some shit George Bush and Dick Cheney made up. We're fighting people that will kill everybody they can to further their radical ideology. I can say that, CNN, because mine's grounded in fact. People are dying every day in this world in mass numbers due to radical Islam. You have not proven once where you're getting these stats that white supremacy, racism, and right-wing terrorism is more rampant in the world than radical Islam. You've never proven it. You've never shown it. You never correlated their numbers. You just say it. It's the same as the drag queen murder epidemic. It's just some shit you make up. Because politically, 9-11 was bad for you. And just like with George, George, you treated George Bush how you do Trump right now, instead of facing facts and reality, you make up a parallel universe. Bill Clinton had numerous chances to stop Al-Qaeda. He did not, so we'll blame Bush for 9-11. Hillary Clinton had numerous chances to win an election. She chose to call half the country deployable. She lost. You made up Russian collusion that we find out that you are actually working with them to get dirt on Trump which is what you said he was doing for Hillary, and then we did full investigations. You just make shit up. I am sure Progressive made shit up after Pearl Harbor. Because you hate our country. You're not America first. As stated, you made it two weeks. And then you took 9-11 and tried to make it political. And 18 years later, when I tuned into CNN yesterday, I found nothing on 9-11. Nothing. MSNBC, nothing on 9-11. Because you don't care. <clears throat> You're making up a parallel universe that it's actually white people killing people, not Islamic extremism. You're fucking assholes. And that's why we'll never beat our enemy. Being that we live in a free society that has elections, the next Democrat will do absolutely nothing, We'll be back at square one. It won't be ISIL or DASH or whatever the fuck the bomb administration called it. It'll be something else. <clears throat> They'll be doing the same stuff. And mark my words, before I die, we'll have another attack on the soil. We'll have another attack on the soil. 
Because you still don't think it's real. You still keep inventing terrorism. White people who won't agree with your bullshit. That is the worst thing I heard since the last podcast. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast gmail.com get the show on soundcloud podcast addict tuning radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher and pocket cast remember to check out the facebook page at fop podcast and the twitter page at fop tony reed we're going to do the next podcast uh let's go over the 18th 18th of september year of our lord 2019 all those in the south Buckle up, we still got a really hot week ahead of us, but it does look like the following week around Wednesday, everything starts cooling off, and we have some 70s coming to us for the weekend, if that stays true. Uh, for long-term schedule, um, I should be able to get out two a week, but then effective the 29th, I will go dark. Um, 28th, I head to Pensacola, probably won't do a podcast till the 6th of October. It's probably, we'll take about a week, 10 day period off. So as always, I thank you all for listening. Make sure to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs and tune back in next Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to flyover politic podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP podcast and Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.